Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 15th of November 2020 and hope you're all managing to hang on with your fingernails probably to this idea of reality which is rapidly losing its uh, credibility as reality because we really are in an amazing system, a massive psychological warfare program and unfortunately, most of the public are unaware of it. They can't imagine anything being worldwide on the scale that it is. And almost overwhelmingly, um, all mainstream um, news uh, is, is really... Well, just, you don't have to even look into mainstream news anymore. And it's not that for many years, mind you. You can look into one radio or television station and get exactly the same news articles read in the same way as scripted. Uh, one to the other, they all get it from the same one or two sources. That's, that's a lot of power when you think of maybe one or two sources. They're probably really just one source, really, giving all the, the articles out across the world for to shape your minds, because that's what it is, isn't it? It's news. It's just data, and it's planned data, though it's not incidental, except for the little trivialities of local things that happen and uh, no real relevance to the future. But the big things are all planned that way. You, you truly are living in a psychological operation like never before. And it's been on the go for a long time, especially at this level, because it went into force before 9-11 happened in 2001, when all the countries, I've mentioned this so many times, it's so relevant because all the countries went into the same mode at the same time, even changing the uniform of local police and national police into they're all wearing the same black-clad military outfits with the, with the pants tucked in to the boots, combat boots and so on. That was a big, big shift, getting you prepared for a different kind of society where you'll be obedient. That, the black uniforms uh, traditionally are associated with the hangman or the, or the, the axeman, the state registered axeman, and that's what to represent. Something that's done in the dark, you see, uh, and is covered by, by the dark and so on. So really, it's nefarious, in other words, it's ominous, and it's meant to be, it strikes fear into people. It's much easier to go up to a cop when he's got a, kind of a white or a light blue shirt on, you know, and um, he doesn't have the, the combat gear on, except it looks a bit more human and is more approachable by the public, which they're supposed to be, because they're supposed to be there to represent the public and and be approachable for that reason. But, but you can't just walk up to someone who dresses like a, someone who's just going into a, a raid by the SES. Uh, it's rather, as I say, it, it puts people off from approaching them. It's not a friendly type of attitude to have an appearance to have. So it's all intentional, that's what I'm saying. And that was happening in the late 90s, getting everybody prepared for the 9-11 coming along down the pike, including omnibus crime bills that Canada passed and other countries passed too, that literally were really arrest without trial, long-term um, detention, etc., which are really anti-terrorist bills. So they knew what they were going to do before 9-11 came along, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. And they even put displays on in the newspapers at the time of getting used to these new kinds of policemen. And they had a few initially from the main cities in Canada where they'd show you maybe five or six or seven or maybe eight maximum 
uh, grinning, always grinning, please, you know, almost like models. It could be actually models that they use for it, dressed in, in combat gear. Initially, they had them dressed in army green type uh, combat fatigues. And, and then we said, well, what's this for? What's well, for? They need to get them into the city of SWAT teams. Well, they already had SWAT teams and they weren't dressed for combat. And why wear green combat in uh, the, the city, huh? It's not even urban combat um, camouflage. But so they changed their mind on that one. But they had these these. They said, "Oh, they were called out last night and gave these photo ops, all stage photo ops. These guys really posed, you know, just like models to get used to it." So there's are happy guys dressed in, in in military fatigues, and eventually they, they just decided on the on the black outfits, you know, because they knew they were going to bring in a more authoritarian society. And the, the people would become the enemy, obviously. That's what you get in authoritarian societies. And therefore, they, they get this, then they even had articles then, even in the little towns around Ontario, at least. And I saw the guys, I actually saw the guys, like four people walking up the streets, and I thought, these are, these are like the models on the, in the newspapers of the last few months, only they're wearing the black outfits now, but they're still smiling, you see and looked friendly and, and smelled at passers-by. So there were, it was a PR, and, and sure enough, they admitted it was a PR stunt in the news, local newspapers to get you used to the new, the new fashion, you know, where Grimm was in, as far as I'm concerned. And that's how they put it across to the people. And, and now, literally, it's, it's kind of like Robocop, the movies, the way that they're dressed, the black, 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 and why would they have their pants tucked into their boots? That's combat. That's not police... That's not peace, that's, that's literally combat officers. And we take these things for granted because you, people adapt very quickly if, if they're not told to worry or think about something by the, the big media. Brzezinski was quite right. They did all their tests way before he wrote his book in the 1970s. And he said that the, that the media will, well, the, the people will expect the media to do the reasoning for them. And that's exactly what happened, even when he wrote his book before. Obviously, it was all tested. They understood that with surveys and so on. The people would not get worried about, worried about anything unless the media told them to. Now, if the media, and, and especially their anchor people, the newscasters that were there for years, suddenly came out and told them that you should be very, very worried about, then they would be, they would be. But otherwise, they wouldn't be. That's why I, I noticed at the time, I thought, my goodness, it's gone this far that people literally wait to be told when to worry. And then you got a lot of fake things coming out too as they tested it out. Even before the internet was, was widespread for the public, that is, and did all these surveys and, and uh, yeah, they, 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 would, they would put out fake things too. Uh, until you worried, and, and sure enough, you would see letters to the editors, the newspaper, and so on, uh, jumping on board with something. And that's terrible that what they're doing to those young girls in Nigeria, and 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 and, and so on. And, and a lot of this stuff actually were, was, was testing. They were testing it on the public to see using emotive type articles to get them on board with something, and and for some reason telling them that you should really worry about that, you know. So. Uh, you're constantly being experimented upon, and that's what the public unfortunately don't know. They think that government is is this fiction where you just vote somebody in, and other people come in uh, who are voted in too to serve in cabinets, and then they uh, they just decide things as they go along, all by the little selves, and nothing. Not, it's such a fiction. That's a incredible fiction 
because politicians literally don't know anything about the positions they get appointed over. That's why the civil servants are so important, because they're there for life, and they have specialists in, in, in each department and know exactly what their department does. So the politicians are supposedly appointed over them in order to be a, a kind of a gatekeeper to the public. So they, they're an intermediary between the civil service government and, and the public support. That's the, that's the farce of what they tell you is reality. And nothing's further from the truth. It's very hard to get a hold of an MP, uh, the actual MP themselves. They're too busy do, watching or, and receiving lobbyists, you see. Uh, so that, that's, uh, yeah, it's a fiction in itself. But that, that's what it's supposed to be, so that uh, civil services couldn't do whatever they wanted to without oversight by... Uh, a system over them, represented by the politician appointed to like the Department of Health or Department of whatever, and um, that's long gone, obviously. And in most countries, it's probably long. I don't think there's any real democratic countries left. Not that you ever really achieved real democracy, because along with democracy, you have an open door for corruption, because mainly psychopaths go into politics anyway, especially today. You don't have the state's people that are there to be kind of on guard watching and so on, on behalf of the public. There really isn't a, an ombudsman, as used to call it, that was supposed to look over all these different positions that politicians filled on behalf of the public. They would warn the public and, and supposedly, or at least warn some of the politicians that were going too far with their departments. So it's kind of all gone. And, and quite rightly so, in a sense, from their point of view, because you're not supposed to be living in a democracy, even the countries that, that pretend that they are. And it's not a democracy at all. It's frag- a fragmented special interest group. So, you know, that's, that's what they've created deliberately. And th- this is the substitute for democracy for all, you see. Uh, therefore, you can't have unification of the public on any real matter at all. And that was all done deliberately. Divide, 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 divide and conquer. And then you appoint uh, leaders for each, each special interest group uh, that, that, that even the followers that supposedly represents are scratching their heads or are they really representing us or not? Well, of course they're not. You're conquered, unfortunately. And the experiments of democracy were short-lived anyway. They were gone long ago as far as I can really see. And I really do think that uh, the agencies that work behind the scenes, the ones that, that for, as an example, there are many of them, but as an example, the, the histories put out by Carol Quigley certainly gave you a, a good inkling into the ambitions of the private institutions which really governed the British Empire. And it, it wasn't just the British Empire, it was the American Empire as well. They, they handed the baton over to America to take over, as Britain was financially exhausted with all the debt that wars incur. So Winston Churchill himself, there's a book called The Whispering Gallery, I think it was written by high-level bureaucrats and high-level civil servants. They were very important, as I say, because they really keep things going. And they all have this, their, their real in-depth knowledge of what their department does and how to fix things and so on. 
Whereas the politicians can get moved around and appointed. Britain's famous for it. It's like musical chairs. They just appoint so-and-so and then have a, a reshuffling in the cabinet, they call it. And then they'll move them around. Or you're now in charge of the Ministry of blah, 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 and instead of the Ministry of Health or whatever it is. And they keep shuffling them around. And all they do is, is get their, their reading cards basically drafted up for them for speeches by the civil servants in charge of the department that they're, they're put over. And most of the politicians, really, I, I really mean it, I don't think they care what department they're put over. I don't think they've got a real, a real care to know even what they're supposed to be doing. Because it's all scheduled, it's all written for them. It's just like public relations exercises and photo ops for, for politicians. Uh, when they put in well in advance, you know, requisitions to, to visit this town or whatever, and give a little talk or, or, or do some ceremony of opening. We used, to, we used to open bridges and things. We don't have that anymore because we're all going broke. But uh, they would have these things. Or even opening malls and big stores. That's all kind of gone too. There's only a few select big stores allowed to operate now. And this democracy, of course, that we're all living in. But everything's written for them, as I say, even the speeches at those opening ceremonies, and they, they must, and they're guided by a, a, a whole coterie of security experts and so on, and camera and, and public relations experts who travel with them, just like the military. The military is a, a, anything to do with big governmental institutions has its own propaganda department, big for themselves. I'm not talking about just for using against the public, which they certainly do. But uh, they have they have ones for for um, all under military intelligence, but really as part of PR, I should say, for the public public relations, which is just a newer term for propaganda, and have their film teams and scriptwriters and things like that, and they've had them for an awful long time. I think General MacArthur, I think the, he uh, he used he's always known for different. Quotes. We quote him all the time for I shall return and things like that, you know. And he looks very resolute there with his pipe and he's, he's going to return. And apparently they did a few takes of that, him on the landing craft coming off, or going on, or one of the two is here coming on or coming off the landing craft. They brought it back in and out a few times to get the perfect shot for the statement and all that. And, and so everything is really pretty well rigged, you know when it comes to what's dished out to the public. And the reasons are almost clandestine reasons. It's all clandestine work, isn't it? You're not supposed to really know the truth on anything because you might object. Just just like Roger Bacon. Not Roger, but Francis Bacon. Francis Bacon, but Roger's another character too, mind you. Uh, but Francis Bacon, he, um, he, he gave a resume, basically, to royalty, it's just like Machiavelli. Machiavelli's book is basically basically a resume of how clever he was for conning populations and lying to populations. I mean, he was a one-man band, Machiavelli. He didn't invent the techniques of deception and control and manipulation as an art, and obviously a very secretive art. It wasn't taught to everybody, but it was taught to courtiers and and advisors to royalty across the world. And so that, that also tells you there's, there's archives of, of the knowledge. You don't destroy knowledge that works to do with power and accumulation and the wielding of power. It's never destroyed. And in fact, in ancient times, sometimes you'll find that uh, 
countries like Rome, as I said before, would send their, their young off to be educated, just like they do today. Um, but in, in, in countries that you would never think of had advanced universities. But they did. And in those universities, they found out the ways of the mind and how to control people and how to deceive people, populations, never telling the truth, as Francis Bacon said. They'll never understand, or if they understand, they'll object. And if you want to manage folk, you don't want them objecting to what you want to do to them. It's very psychopathic in itself. But we're given a, for us, you know, the people, the general, we're all the scum and the flotsam, you see. We were not supposed to know the truth, and we're supposed to be quite content with the fairy stories of how wonderful it is. And the old movies, old black and white movies, where they give you Lincoln, they, they elevate Lincoln to a god, and those old, old movies. And I can't remember the one. They used to show all these old movies in Britain and until you're, you see from childhood until you, your hair was going grey because they kept using the same old movies because I don't think they played any paying royalties on all these old, old, old movies in, in Britain at the weekends and BBC and STV. And uh, there's one main one where you, you see Lincoln is, is going to get back on the train for the campaign, you see. And a little boy comes up to him and says, Can anybody be president, Mr. Lincoln? And, uh, oh, yes, my son. You know, you could be president if you wanted to be, you know. And that's the message to, to everybody that's, that's got gullible stamped on their foreheads. And you're supposed to believe it, you see. The, the things just happen like that. Just like you're supposed to believe everything else you're given in reality. You're given all the... The output, basically, of the star-making machinery for actors, actresses, musicians, and bands, and, and and all the fiction that goes along with the stories that are made up for them. You believe it, you know. And it's, you're meant to believe it, and you've no reason not to believe it, because you, you've been trained to be incredibly naive from childhood. And, and that's how you're, you're, you're run, you know. Until eventually you, you have Madonna coming out and telling you, what you should think about politics and the country, you know. And uh, she used to do other things with her hands on stage, as opposed, apart from reading scripts and things to the public. But this is what they give you. And they're star-making machines, that's what they are. Uh, there's nothing about their past life you can, you, you can believe. It's all made up. A standard, you know. A show business. Show business. You know? It's a show. And uh, the public don't, they don't realize that at all. You don't realize when you're maybe even 12 years old, hopefully, you know, you've grown up before you're 20, but a lot of folk don't. They still think right through that the, the groups and the bands and the singers that were put out there for them to follow were real and genuine and really did all their old, own stuff and and always and, and knew what they were doing and and the little bits where they, where they would give you the, the, the group or the band and they'd give you names of the guys or gals or whatever and they'd make up histories for them and their affairs that they're having and heartbreak and all that rubbish. It's all fiction. Yeah. That's part of this. So they're not really selling you the music. They're selling you an idea, an, an impression, and a complete fantasy, a soap opera. That's what they sell you. And they don't show you behind the scenes of the show, of the session musicians and the writers that write the stuff and uh, and do the work, you know, and arrange it all. And then put it together and, and sometimes play it for them.
So that's that's part of the mythology too. But it's the same with everything else in your life. They make the star making machinery, and I've given talks on it before. Some of the people that the that the Unabomber was going after, because of he claimed that the, what the the world that they were the guy's targets were bringing in was going to be hell on earth. That's what he claimed. Eh? And a good German documentary was put out about that. In fact, it exposed a lot of the reasons that he claimed that he was doing what he was doing. But apart from just that side of it, one of the guys who was after spoke on the on the documentary video that was done, and he his job was at making the stars, making scientists into stars. He said, with using all the star making machinery. And, and until you really believe everything the scientist says, once he's, so once it just goes off the, off the topic of what his particular speciality is, uh, people will still follow him. He's, he's so bright and intelligent. So if he's telling us to vote for this or do that in, in our lives and society, we should do it. You know, that's how easy it is to manipulate people. Quite amazing, eh? It's kind of like calling up people on the Ouija board or something like that, or a seance. Look at the history of the world. Look at the history of the world. And I'm not knocking that things don't happen. I, I do know that things do happen. But what I'm saying is, how folk get entranced by memes that are put out there, by uh, oh, Hollywood, for instance, and movies and all that. And... Uh, and folk will dive into the occult simply because it become, it's made to be trendy. They don't realize they're being manipulated to go along with it and, and to actually um, follow and, and alter their behavior even or their thought patterns as they follow the, what's put out for them to follow. Many, many years ago in Britain, and maybe in the world, I don't know, there was um, a magazine put out. I think it was called Mad, Man, Myth and Magic. I think. And it was maybe a, maybe a monthly issue, I'm not quite sure it was weekly or monthly. But a lot of people, young folk, were snapping these things up. And it was little tidbits, little mouse, mouse traps, they call it, that entice you in. You say, oh, wow, that wonder thing when you're young really grabs you and you want to know. And you do suspect there's something more to everything than just the dryness of politics, etc. It's a pity they drum that out of you too. But anyway, the... Man with magic, and, and I think they even sold books through it too. And you can basically they could get big folders and put all the magazines in until you had a whole, a whole compendium of the volumes, as they called it. And that really was a big changing point, getting ready for many years later to bring in the idea through entertainment of uh, Wiccanism, as an example. You, you always get prepared before something comes out. You don't, you don't realize that, but you are. You're the generation that picked for this, that, or whatever it happens to be. And at that time, uh, they'd already planned uh, to, to sow the seeds that people would, wouldn't realize the thoughts that they were getting weren't really theirs. They knew how you would follow things, and it programs you. You do get programmed, you know. But... Um, a man with magic was, was a big, big one for, for pushing on. And then, of course, years later, they bring on all the different things on TV for teenagers and folk in their 20s and maybe in their 30s uh, on, on the occult. Lots of programs on it. And, uh, and they just dive right in. They're being programmed in advance, you see. You don't know that. But that's how it's done. Big committees in countries. I've seen some committees in Britain 
I've seen the ones who used to decide for the BBC many, many, many years ago, uh, really who the hits were going to be in music. And it's nothing that they'd imagine. You couldn't imagine it, the kind of panel you would see. It wasn't the disc jockeys that you would see. They're all paid well for pushing whatever. And they know how to, they smell the window, what's to get pushed. They're given little notes on who's to get pushed, and they're rewarded well for doing it. Because it's entertainment, right? It's just entertainment. But you look into the panels that, that, that chose it. And these folk came in, and there were, oh, maybe, maybe about 25 of them. And the big table, the whole thing. And you wouldn't recognize pretty any of them. And they had the wealthy gear on, like the clothing, you know, and tweed suits, men and women, and and wealthy, and uh, the, the old. That was the thing too, older, you know, much older than the teenagers that when they buy all the stuff that when they promote. And they would they would sit there and decide, with nods and winks and um, and little guffaws, as they say. You don't just laugh; you have a, a kind of a bit of a guffaw occasionally when they're pushing something a bit silly. And they would decide who would be top of this and that and the other, you know. And even when that was exposed, eventually they kind of clammed up and tried to hide it even better because they don't like the public getting a peek behind the curtain or under the cover of the tain, you know, attainment. And that's what, even the word itself is interesting. But you enter, you know, behind a curtain in a sense, like almost like a tent type thing, a tain. And... Uh, they don't want you. They want you in and to be mystified, but never to figure out what's going on, because it affects your lives, and so much of your behaviour is predictive programming. That's what it is. You watch it enacted, whatever it happens to be, on a social level through dramas, especially, and and they, they, they said, I remember many years ago. The, the Bernays types, these big associations of marketers and, and public relations outfits. And don't forget that, that in Bernays' time, he called it propaganda. He had no problem calling it propaganda. And eventually, they, they changed the public relations when the propaganda got a bad name for being bad, you know. Now, it's a good name for being bad, but, or a bad name for being good. I don't know which it would switch. But anyway, it, it, is, it is quite fascinating to... To see how it all works together, programming for all the different phases in your life. You don't know that, do you? You really don't know how much program you've had through fiction, especially when you enjoy the fiction, especially if it's a series type thing, like the series for television, where you get more time to get to know the characters as they develop the characters, and they have departments within the writers that are doing it, different script writers, but they also do character development as time goes on, and then they find out, again, through, through the, in this day and age, through the internet and and likes and dislikes and all the rest of it, and suggestions, they, they, like, they, they get an idea of what's working and what isn't very quickly. They can add to the character until you start to like the character. Whatever was lacking is now, is now gone, and, and they're, they're, they're a fulfilled character, and you'll identify with them. And in such a character, then you can start writing where the script is to go off from a basic futuristic sci-fi until now the one that you like is going to take the, the side of whatever 
oppressed group or whatever it is that they're pushing and 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 political correctness at the time and that's how you get your your mind changed because you like the characters you identify with them and that's what you're meant to do you're meant to identify with the characters and the and as they change the strata of society and and because there's different levels of society in all these groups too there's different levels of being as they keep altering what were called all kinds of norms, uh, and and so they start changing that too in the, the series, and you, and you'll follow along with it too. If your main character be be a male or female, you'll you'll start to identify with the changes, and oh yeah yeah, and so you'll start even parroting little terms that come from the shows. It's, it's, this is not just a happenstance, occasional thing. This is almost through everything now. And you have no idea how much your tax money goes into entertaining you, so you get programmed. You have no idea at all, especially through TV series, but also through big movies too. Why do you think every country has a department of culture? If you are the culture, why, why do you think you've got a department of culture? And they all sprung up really around uh, during World War Two, and then after the, the big, big. Um, Handouts by the Department of Culture to all the to, to novelists, to children's book writers, to screenwriters, and and so on. Uh, you're programmed. There's big money because it's, it's, they've had, it's unge- you're not living. Your life has already decided how it's going to be. But you know when you're born, you don't know that. I used to at one time, not for long, but I used to wonder what Stalin was on about uh, and some of his writings and also the, the people behind Stalin the mass psychopath they're all psychopaths these characters you know and you had Beria who was in charge of uh, one time of the NKVD a ruthless murderer you know they all were um, but Beria used to host the, 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 the meetings of the Comintern, the International Communist Parties. They, they would send their delegates, delegations for their different youth brigades. That they would get sent off for training in Moscow from all the countries. Canada was rather famous for sending off rather famous people <laughs> to that. And, um, but Beria, long ago, back in the 30s, uh, gave that famous talk which stuck in my head when I read it. And, he, and he, he talked about how it used to take a generation. Now, he meant a real generation, like 70 years, perhaps. Three score a year and ten. To program changes in that would affect society, the culture and society, and have people adapt and adopt to the changes. Adopt the change and adapt to them. And... He said, he said, with techniques now, this is before you had the term toolkits for teachers and all, and all this kind of stuff. He said, with the techniques we have now, we can change and program, basically somebody programming changes in people, the, the youth, the youngsters from a very early age, for major things that would happen in their lives. He didn't specify exactly what those changes would be. 
But if they want changes to be in their lives, they could, they could say, 15 years' time, they could get a new intake of students at the age of five and then program them. So when that th- event happened 15 years down the road, they'd accept it quite naturally without thinking much about it. And that's what you said. He says, we can literally alter the changes every three, uh, three to five years. I think it was, or 45 years. Uh, and, and a whole string of changes that that person was going to experience in their life right through to the age of 50, 60. And they would keep, and they would never fight back to because they would think it was quite natural. It was already programmed into them. They were big in psychology, you know, the communists and behaviorism. And so many things that, that were learned from the communist days were brought back by people who visited the, the Soviet bloc countries. And you had your great admirers of the Soviet system, which puts paid to the nonsense that it was all straight-lined them against us. Because why would you put all your scientists over there, your top scientists over to meet their counterparts every every year, maybe once or twice a year, for big meetings so they could exchange and get to know each other and so on, and exchange um, views and knowledge. When 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 any intelligence book would tell you uh, that the Cold War would be won through by the, the, the nation that had advanced uh, scientific secrecy and so on and secrets. Well, why would the the last people you want to share it with is your supposed enemy, and let them get access to friendly acquaintances uh, with um, their counterparts in the Soviet bloc countries? So anyway, you really are living through a bit of a farce, and you always always were living through a bit of a farce, and you still are. It's even worse today than it was then, with what you're told is truth and not truth, and untruth as the other side likes to call it. So you're you're living through a, a script. Again, I, I go back just before I get off this part. Getting back to the to the idea of propaganda. That great series, that great long running series. I call it great because I hated it. It was called Coronation Street. I don't know if it's still going or not, but uh, they, they, generations I think grew up with that Coronation Street. But every possible thing that was going to hit Britain from unemployment, um, austerity, uh, all the social changes of divorces before the divorces became normal, normalized, <laughs> and uh, mass migration of all kinds, the reaction to mass migration, all the way you're supposed to behave and react to it was shown to you through drama scenes within the context with the characters in Coronation Street. So much so you were told how to react to different types of migrants coming in, different categories of them, and belief systems, and so on, and how the youth would mix with with your family, and all that, all that kind of, all portrayed out in advance, you see. Quite amazing, and great detail, too. And eventually, they admitted that Coronation Street was so heavily financed by the government and different agencies, and they also had... um, they, they, they had full-time psychologists working with them and behaviorists, and they brought in social work departments, professionals, uh, and counselors for divorce. All these things to make sure it was to get the right get the context for the dramas that they would show on in their, in their fiction, supposedly. 
that was going to happen before these, even the mass migrations happened. They were showing you how to react before things happened. So it, that's that was amazing predictive programming. You know. And sure enough, they know that uh, is, they even know if it's easier for men or women to be manipulated. Uh, and that's always been the way too, because even Bernays talked about it. That's that uh, right around after Bernays too, up into the 1970s and 80s, when uh, magazines were there was hundreds and hundreds of magazines, and uh, most of them were aimed at women, and because they said the women were were easier to to change, and women too through psychological evaluations that they, they're more easy to. Uh, to program, in a sense, to try something different. Men are way more conservative in a, in a social setting by nature. They don't like change much. But women will try the change. It's promoted. Oh, this is fun. This is going to be fun. This is good for you. And they will try it. So they have a great day, a great field day, uh, testing all these things that women is saying. And this is from the public relations books, too. They still teach this yet, all the facts and, and the statistics, etc., of how things work. It's astonishing. That's why the United Nations, by the way, has all these programs about aimed at women across other countries. It's, it, you know, how to start their businesses for women, how to give them funding for women. The guys really don't exist as far as the UN is concerned. Very important because the UN is a front too for a big, the big global organization that runs the world. And the one, the same organization that. Uh, the WEF is on board with them. They're all on board with the same same direction, of course, on every every particular topic, actually. Quite fascinating to see. So you've got to realize the world that you live in is a fiction. No one's left behind, you know, because if you're alive, you're being programmed. <laughs> you've all had you. And you're still getting programmed, too. They used to have, uh, I mentioned it before, two... A bishop, I don't say a bishop or an archbishop in England in the 1940s. I remember just leafing through a book they put out there. And he was called the Red Bishop because he was, he was communistic, you know. But he he talked about this, this term of, of that, that shortly people would have lifelong training. He, and he called it lifelong education. And if you, everything's written in, in doublespeak in a sense, or, or different levels of, of meaning. That's how things are generally put out by people who are in the know, talking to their own, to their own group, you see, or their own level or class, if you like. But he said that uh, you would literally have a lifelong learning. And, and of course, you would, you would just pick this up and read it. Oh, I guess he's talking about, why would you do lifelong education, like he's talking He's talking about literally programming the people. And that's what it's been advocated with the United Nations since its inception. This, this technique of lifelong training, constantly training the people to, for, the, for each phase of change. So they, they make you feel guilty or whatever. If you don't jump into the next phase, oh, you're a bad person because of this, that, or you've got biases or whatever happens to be. And then once you adapt into it, you see, that might only last five years, or maybe ten at the most, and and now you must tra- retrain you to the next phase of your the world that you're going to live in, you know. And it's lifelong training. 
step by step, five-year plans, 10-year plans, 15-year plans, 20-year plans, which the communists use and the United Nations still uses. So that's how, how incredibly precise things are. And, and yet we go through our lives, eh? and up until we're all locked down with this phase of it, which was planned years ago too. And we used to just, uh, people would go, come home from work and, and flop out in front of the TV, and they might get a beer or something. A lot of folk did that. And uh, they zonked out because the stress of jobs, and boring jobs too, mainly, uh, as is wear and tear on you, and, and, you, and it zonks you out. You didn't, you didn't probably want anything to really be interested in, you know, if you're tired. And so you want something to be light-hearted and trivial, trivialistic. And even that they knew about you. And so the, everything was catered to different groups of people and segments of groups. That's why so many TV stations came out. And sure enough, you'll find your niche, you know, according to your personality type and so on. And they'll flood your mind with, with what appears to be meaningless trivia and light-hearted stuff or even silly stuff or very amateurish stuff. didn't matter. Because in amongst it, just for you and your type, you see, they put the programming in there for you as well. And that's how it is. There's nothing you see in a set on TV with the scene, you know, the set. Even in a room. It doesn't have a panel of people just discussing it. it that, that little flower on, on the, the table over there, you know. And what color should it be? What type of holder should it be for that flower? What, and that's all discussed. The, the visual understanding of things is a science. Because because the visual, just like hearing, is a language. And you don't realize that, that if you look at a particular scene in a set, you'll be directed, as, as you're, you're listening to the characters, maybe talking, maybe two people talking, in a room, or outside a house, or wherever it happens to be, you're seeing it. And you don't realize, as it zooms in to the two characters before this, that your eyes have already seen certain things placed there to cue you in to that, and then something will move over to the right or the left, and your eyes wander to that as, as they're talking, and you're, you realize there's different languages getting put across there at the same time, and um, your, your subconscious picks it up, and it will influence you. You, you won't even know what's happening. Now with the internet, or, or put this way, the artificial intelligence being, and, and uh, the visualizations and on television and the scenes and the movies, uh, it's, a, oh, it's a field day for programming people. I mentioned before that for every penny you make, there's, there's thousands of companies out there competing to get it off you. That's the system. That's what advertising's for. It's the same thing with reality. When you try to find what your own mind happens to be, you know, and you want to think for yourself and get your, an original thought for yourself that's not an opinion from someone else, there's, there's like a million companies out there and agencies and government agencies, and, and, and they're farmed out. There's more farmed out agencies than ever before so that they're not technically responsible to the people or to, to politics, you know. But there's, yeah, there's a million companies out there trying to get that thought from you to bend it again, and, and so you'll take theirs and reject it so you can, they can put your th their thought back into you. That's how it's done. 
So important, isn't it? And folk never, it's, it's almost inconceivable again, this can happen without, again, some big declaration from the voice out there coming. Listen to what's going on here. You can't imagine it on such a massive scale. Everything is clandestine. Everything is covert. You're not supposed to know what's going on. Why do you think they have whole departments and levels of departments that classify, reclassify secret documents for governments and all the different agencies and all the few agencies that they farm out their, their responsibilities to? It's not for the public consumption. You pay for all. It's all about you <laughs> and how, how to use you, manipulate, and what they want the public to believe. But you can't see it. And you think you're free. And folks will argue with you that they're free. It's astonishing, really, isn't it? Eh? Truly astonishing. The right to think for yourself is so important. But most folk can't, especially today, because truly, with the weaponization of mass media and entertainment and the Internet, you don't have much of a chance if you're going to use all these different tools to put out there uh, that you're supposed to use that enslave you and open you up to complete surveillance. You know? And they dissect every thought that you have. <laughs> they don't have to have a hundred folk working on you. Uh, the, the algorithms do it all and then put you in, into pigeonholes. I, did, I gave this talk in the late 90s. They try to pigeonhole you. But they hate you if, you if they don't fit into a pigeonhole, you know. Which your slot, you know, I don't know. That's quite some. And that's what you're living in. But, but as I say, history is like that too. All through history, you, you, you get bits and pieces of different realities all the time. Again, going back to Machiavelli, the prince, and the writings of Bacon as well, to do with his, his, his you know, to royalty, telling, telling him how clever he was. Basically, deceiving people on behalf of royalty <laughs> um, is something you got to take into account. What he did and what they did was done right up until the so-called advent of uh, parliamentary systems, where you pretend to elect someone that's going to rep pretend to represent you and goes off to parliament. But uh, yeah, it's quite f fantastic to understand that kind of thing. And, I, and even going back, I did, I was, we mentioned it earlier too, I was thinking about, and I, I had a little slip with Roger Bacon. Well, Roger Bacon was way before Francis Bacon, remember, it was about 11th, maybe 12th or 11th, 12th century. Franciscan monk, you know, who had his own laboratory. And you say, what, what on earth is, it's a, it's a Cadville thing, Cadville, remember that, that series? Is that what it is? He's making potions to help the secret. No, he, he was working with gunpowder. You know, to, break, to, to create this thing called the canon. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, no one's ever explained how he, he got permission to do that kind of uh, thing, you know. But, uh, yeah, if you can stuff it in this tube here, and it has all these diagrams and testing, and and got funding you know, to make the kind of canon, to do some experimentation, that changed history again. So, yeah, I don't know if it's in the same family lineage, but these characters were quite some, some characters indeed.
Now remember too, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, list my sites in case any of them go down. Because I, I mentioned it before, I mentioned it way back too in February and March. This agenda is written in stone, nothing was going to change, it was obvious from the beginning. Uh, it's a big agenda for the WEF and the, the, the Great Reset, which is, a, which is a complete sustainability program, Agenda 21. And, um, and that's what it is. See, I won't even argue that. It's just so obvious. This is too much there, from the horses' mouths themselves. But um, in the different so-called lockdown phases, it really is to implement all the different parts that the Sage Group in, in Britain and other groups in, in the event two hundred one talked about too, um, where they would, they would also go after people um, who would speak out against. It was to bring down social media. Big time, and complete censorship of the internet, except for pornography. You, can, you probably watch lots of pornography and, and that kind of stuff. But anything, anything that would challenge any official statement out there, especially when statements sound so insincere or bogus, uh, there's, there's always a lot of retaliation by the public about it because we're not completely morons yet, you know. Most of us, anyway, and. So they're going after people using the old-fashioned techniques of terrorizing people. And they said with the lockdowns, uh, this different stages, they would eventually start arresting people. And that's what they do in, in, a, in a wartime scenario, as I say. This is, this is a wartime scenario. This is what they came out with, a wartime scenario, to give themselves the, uh, the pre-existing powers for total lockdown of all kinds and simply arresting folk. Even though that you don't have a country uh, opposing you at the moment, uh, you are the enemy. And, and see, the the war now is you. You are the enemy. When they turn loose propaganda units from the military, and all countries are doing it now openly, by the way, on their own people, you are then the enemy. You're the designated enemy, not some people over in Afghanistan. Uh, that they have their minds altered and be persuaded into something. It's you now. And their own writings, by the way. <laughs> it's you. Now, we're going into the psychological, we are in the psychological phase. We have been from the beginning of this whole thing. So first you get coercion and persuasion, and the next time, and then you get hammered, you know. There's, there's people being hammered with disinformation, to try, if they fall for it, they can get banned too. You see, it's all, it's all prearranged, including the dark web, as they call it, that, that lots of billboards put out there for them to fall into. Do you, do you really think they just sit back and, and, and allow you to have a, a secret way of communication? <laughs> when you, the, the, the makers, basically, the whole Silicon Valley on board with this whole agenda. Because everything in, in your world, all the media is on board with this. All media is completely... Uh, saturated with CIA and other agencies, all this umbrella group, all they're all connected, you know. This worldwide group, MI6, GCHQ, MI5, Mossad, you know, and many other organizations across the world are all one, you know. And with, of course, with the, the five eyes, as they call it, it's actually six, but, um, and they all share the same information. They have done since even before 9-11 happened. So you're living in a complete fiction already if you think you still are free and 
everything's on the up and up, etc. Nothing's further from the truth. An agenda had to be fulfilled. The elite who were, are the globalists, the same elite that, that wrote about bringing a world, a, a European Union in back in 19, the early 1900s. The same group that talked about eventually a, a unified Americas and a far eastern bloc that would be unified too and who set up the organizations to bring it into force. The same organizations that published books about it. <laughs> Do you think we're going to sit back and watch the supposed uh, populism, as they call the term now, eh? I love the pop. I love the t- the terms just come out of, of you know nowhere to the public, eh? And populism, supposedly now, is like nationalism, you see. And when I was young, you, you really just had inside a, a national nation. <laughs> you had political parties, you had left wing and right wing and middle, middle and all that. But it was still for the nation, as far as we, you would think it would be. And But then as, as time went on, you started to notice uh, they, t- they talked about the left and they talked about the radical right. That's what, you never got a right wing anyway, it's always radical right. So And then you realize they changed it again, the meaning, the definition, that if you still wanted a nation, then you, then you were you were a right wing extremist. That's what it still is today. Eh? So nothing to do with Labour Party on the left or anything like that anymore. But uh, when they saw they saw the the populism going for Europe too, and currently getting so fed up with that, that monolithic communistic or block of the of the the EU Parliament and so on, then they wanted out. Never mind the squandering of billions of of pounds of money to the darn thing every year and get nothing back. It's uh, totally corrupt, of course. But they weren't going to let it happen. This is a dream they've had for so long. By the way, getting back to com, take a list of send me a few bucks my way. PayPal's fine. Cash is fine, by the way. The mail still works awfully well. Don't register anything if you send in by mail. The ordinary mail is the best, and it gets through faster. It does get through faster. If you start... Paying extra for this, everything gets checked in, and then that's when stuff might go missing. But if you send things ordinary mail, never a problem. That's how it works. So you can send cash, or you can send checks. And uh, money round, too, I think still works. Or you can get something from the bank itself. You can write a check out for you if you want to ever to help me take along here, because uh, our days are becoming numbered. I know that. I knew this a long, long time ago. Before I even came out to start talking about it, I knew pretty well accurately, too, the, the lifespan we'd have of communication via the internet. In fact, the first few years, I gave talks on radio shows. I didn't even have a computer, didn't want one. Because it was certainly was not personal. I knew what its real purpose was. It was to collect all the data on you. But um, send me a few bucks. You can buy the books and discs if you want to. Or just straight donations are really welcome. 
And because we're going through the dark, dark times now. That's a, dark, a new dark age in a sense. In fact, it's more appropriate to call it a dark age, I think, really. Because all reality is being closed off, shut out. And you're given this dark, fake reality to stumble around in. And you have no idea of the powers behind it all, none at all. How big it is. This didn't just happen overnight or within the last year. This, is, this has been prepared for many, many years. So the same group, as I say, that wanted uh, globalization. The same group that could give the speeches at the World Economic Forum about it all the time. Again, the World Economic Forum is something you don't vote for. It just created itself. And yet it has all this power. An oligarchical tyranny is what it is. With the richest folk on the planet in it. Who've decided long ago that this was theirs, you know, all this is theirs. And you've become a nuisance. I'm not kidding you. And they've got about a hundred different ways of convincing you you're bad. And you shouldn't even be alive, you know. You're taking up the resources of their planet. But they've been talking this way since the 1700s. Oh, we understand that. The select groups have been prattling on about this. And even in the days of Malthus, he, who came as a front man, an economist, eh? who came an early economist for the big Bank of England group in the city of London. Eh? And one day, you know, one day all these peasants will be breeding and there'll be too many of them. And we don't, we need them for wars and for creation, the creation of a British Empire at the moment. But, um, one day there'll be a problem, be too many folk, and we don't need them. Here you go. That's my summary of it. And it's all coming out now, you see. You've had years of indoctrination that you're to blame, because you had to be the target. Oh, if you want to have, if you want someone to be suicidal, you just gaslight them for a long time. Until the, the, their mind is, you're, you're showing that you give them little glimpses into pathways they should follow. And they will, they'll follow these, but the ideas of logic. But you've really set up, it's all fake. You've set them up to fall. So it's a dead end every little corridor. They go down. Then that, so eventually, they say, oh yeah, I guess it. Ah, I'm no use. I can't do anything. I'm useless. I'm hopeless. So you just, when they say, well, there's always euthanasia. It's legal now, euthanasia, you know. Some countries like Canada, uh, you know, you could take a pill and get rid of that depression, like they do in Holland now, eh? And bingo, there you go. I think I'm kidding about this. The first, the first psychological warfare is to defeat an enemy. You're the only enemy before anything else happens. Persuasion. The lo- look at the logos of the psyops units. When they, when they do, they, they had really blatant ones before they changed a couple of years ago in the, in the states. How to persuade and alter, and basically behavior modification. Right? But they used to do influence and all the rest of it to bring you to the proper conclusions on whatever they wanted you to come to, without you being aware of it. A whole science in itself. Again, paid by your tax money. <laughs> 
and you are the target. Isn't that amazing, eh? That most folk don't know that. I can remember on a talk show back in the late 90s, and a woman called in, you know, and she says, I'm free. I'm, what are you talking about? Yeah, but we're not free. She says, I'm free. I, I, I can go shopping anywhere I want and buy whatever I want, she says. And that was her idea of freedom. And it isn't until you get that kind of comment made by someone that you don't think was kidding, right? Then you, you really do see how people have different ideas of what freedom even is. It really is, isn't it? What is freedom? You used to say, well, I've got the right to say and do what I want. No, you, no, no anymore, you don't. <laughs> Have you noticed? <laughs> and it's, it's getting stepped up, too, in a whole bunch of years. This isn't just about COVID. This is about everything. It's the whole reset. It's, it's, it's all the whole sustainability agenda into a new post-democratic system. That's what it's for. And you don't know that, do you? You can still put on the television and, and zonk out on, on, on silly dramas, movies, or, or what they pretend are comedies. You look at the speeches made by George Soros from his own website, the Open Society. And he'd, he, he, he gave a talk at uh, Davos or Davos in Switzerland. And other talks in other places too, and uh, the same kind of talks really, which are exactly the same as you would hear from anybody else at the United Nations, as an example, or the World Economic Forum. It's astonishing how they're all on board with exactly every facet of the same agenda. No, no difference at all, actually. Which tells you there's a, a big organization that pre-existed Soros' involvement 40 years ago. That's when he claims he set up the, his philanthropic organization. But in that speech he made about uh, the problem with populism, basically, uh, it, it was a result of, the, of people voting to, to pull out of uh, the EU for Britain, you know getting out of it and uh, dashing the dream that he had in, uh, of a unified Europe. Now remember, too, you got this strange thing with, with, uh, with uh, the, the European Parliament and things like that, and they have that unfinished Tower of Babel, huh? <laughs> quite amazing, which they had constructed there to look like the, the painting, the famous painting. And uh, that's no coincidence, eh? That is no coincidence. No. It really is, as, as, as we'd poo-poo any, any people with their ideas of conspiracy theory and so on, uh, they give you all these symbols in, right in your face, right down to very impractical buildings, really, that are meant to be highly symbolic of something, something that they're going to, to do, which was to rebuild the, the idea of a unified world and become gods, in a sense. That was the whole idea the biblical idea of Babel, or Babel, you know, where they would reach up into the, to the heavens with the height of the tower and look down on God. That was pretty well how they kind of phrased it at the time and some of their writings. 
And uh, of course, the idea again was that God would send his, his, his sons out, their Elohim as well, and down to destroy the, the tower and scatter the unified nations. And because they're all talking the same language, it isn't just the, la- the physical language, it's the ideas that conveys that too, you know. And scatter them and confuse them, confound them, so that they go back to talking their own languages and they couldn't communicate, etc., etc. Because unification would be bad. Interesting concept, really. It would be bad for the world and for everybody else in it. Because after all, you see, if you want to become God, then you have to behave like a God, right? Most gods uh, in, in ancient times were pretty tyrannical. And um, it wasn't until later that they gave you gods with, with complaints departments. Before that, there was no complaints departments. The old, the old idea of the Grecian god is really interesting. I like the Greek ones too. I like, like the mythologies. And they did put out good, good movies a long time ago. Based on some of the, the mythologies, they're really well, really entertaining stories. But it also gives you a, a, a glimpse into how they didn't really see. I, I'm sure a lot of the Greeks didn't believe in it at all. You know, they knew they kind of it was very light-hearted, taking on what gods were. They're more symbols of human parts of human nature in a sense. You know, and that's how it, was, it really was amongst intellectual groups in Greece as opposed to true belief in uh, particular gods. Some people would, but most, I think, I really think most folk didn't <laughs> believe in them. But, uh, yeah, the gods would play with humans, because they were bored, you see. And they would set up humans, like little tests, little psychological tests that we would have now with psyops uh, done on us, you know. How would you react in a situation? You're walking along a... Uh, in the country, and uh, a monster suddenly appears, and what are you going to do now? And that was how the Greeks uh, they enjoyed that kind of, and the, the children, I'm sure, loved these stories too. And of course, you had a god that had to have a wife, you see, and she was also a goddess, and then she had powers, and and then she would have a little um, skirmishes with her hubby. So he would pick someone to pick on, a human to pick on, she would go and help the human, that kind of stuff. It was really, really good. It was a human, human type idea of God's human aspects, their natures. So if you take the Babel, eh, or the Tower of Babel, Babel, and you look at uh, what they constructed for the EU, eh, right out of the, the famous painting, and the drawing, highly symbolic of what they wanted to accomplish. And this, 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 that's and so interesting. It's, it's, you could probably write stacks of books on that alone. In fact, you could. There's so much knowledge out there on all that. And, and here's a guy like Soros talking about the same thing that they all talk about. It's exactly the same. Too many folk... Um, the sustainability is the answer. Climate change was was excused to, to bring austerity in for sustainability, for reprogramming or way, the way we will live. Uh, climate change to save the planet are all going to die. Terror, terror, fear, and um, 
it was getting ignored. April mentions that too with populism, as he says it. And he also refers to Trump uh, not conceding uh, to the, the European climate change group that they, they met every year and, and, and put more restrictions on the populace. And he, puts, he calls that populism as well. So you look at you know, who elected George Soros or any of these characters. You don't get to elect them, but they have such wealth and power. The, 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 this is the first time in history people with that kind of wealth can influence every single nation on the, in the world. Even one person like that can do it. And, and they do it, they've got fingers in every pie. But they belong to a much higher organization, obviously. There's no intelligence agents in the world would let, let someone interfere with their fingers in different countries' uh, agendas. If, if, if an upstart comes in and starts altering without permission, or, no, you, they, your intelligence would deal with it, which tells you it's part of an intelligence organization. The big one, you know. And the rest of them are too, obviously. Because they never disagree with each other on anything. It's, it's, a, it's, it's such a well-laid-out agenda. It has been for a long, long time. Of how they're going to deal with the third world countries, and um, how they're going to introduce abortion rights across the world to bring down population—that's a priority with them all. And um, and how you bring in a post-consumerist society into an austere society where you have bare minimum to live on. That's the agenda, folks. But you've got to read George Soros' speeches. Don't talk about them, or, or you know, you'd be hammered for just talking about them. But um, his speeches are, I mean, it's, it's his words <laughs> at, at the big meetings, the WEF meetings and so on. And you can read them for yourselves. And he's quite open about the agenda that he sees as the way we're all supposed to live and what we're supposed to do. And he speaks on behalf of the WEF and the United Nations. It's interesting too, he called Donald Trump a con man And he goes into, he was a narcissist They wanted power and all that Well, what do you think these folk are They want to bypass democracy And rule as As a technocratic society Well, what's the what, what, what Come on here You know, but you know something Psychopaths have no insight into what they do themselves They know how to manipulate others But they really don't have much of an insight Into their own motivations that's why they, 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 they are such hypocrites. They don't really see it in themselves. What they're accusing others of doing. So, yeah, read, read these guys. You know, read, this, the, read the, the speeches by the people themselves. That's so important. And they publish the speeches, you know. Uh, yeah, I get fed up with, with for your whole life, you, you, it's like political talks on television. You always get... Some boring, used to, and I know in Britain and in Canada too, they, they would give each candidate uh, uh, some time on the air, generally late at night when you're ready to go to bed. Years ago, that's how it was. And, but they're all given the same amount of time. I don't know how many times they, they gave each candidate, but it's, it's, you know, a, a little slot to talk in. But, when they, when they came to the big elections or the, or the higher elections for presidents and prime ministers, and Britain was famous for it too, but they, they said the same kind of uh, way of portrayal. They would have the, the president or, or prime minister come out giving a speech or the, the, the candidate, you know, uh, and the different candidates 
And th- then you'd have maybe two to four people in a panel. They're experts in interpreting what these future leaders were, go- were saying. And, and you say, well, we all heard what you said. But they would tell you the most weird things and they'd go around in circles until it'd be the opposite of what you thought they meant at the time. Why would you need people in a democracy to explain what the candidates mean? I mean, isn't it supposed to be plain enough talking to the public that the public can figure out what they mean? There's, there's nothing straightforward in this society, this reality of it. Nothing at all. But what they do know, you see, is, is different people like different interpreters or specialists, as they say. And they'll relate to them more. And, and so their opinion is more important than the words you just heard from the, from the candidate themselves. That's how it works. It's all psychology. And everyone is playing with your head pretty well all the time. More so perhaps than ever before, you know. It truly really is a, a complete war on the people. And it has been openly, I would say, more openly. Since 9-11, under the guise of anti-terrorism. And they actually had an article, I remember joking at the time, years ago, saying, you know, I says, you know, the, here you go with anti-terrorism and, and how they had to have no privacy for the people because, you know, and, you know, you had to check for terrorists and, and of course they had all, again, all the tax money that flowed into this new business, this big business of IT and uh, all the different apps and technologies and algorithms and all that to monitor the people, to make sure that your thoughts didn't stray into the realms of what might be considered terrorism. Right? I used to joke about that. So you you get strip search at airports and everything now. They even had vans in New York. I remember reading articles at the time on the radio, you know. Where they found vans, these white vans with the gadgets on top, but they were actually X-raying people. The same kind of technologies they were using initially at the airports, and and again the lobbyists got the contract. Oh, the same old characters and so on. That obviously were some of them came in and 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 they had a homeland security, and they would pass they would and push for for the. Uh, on behalf of lobbyists to get these different screening technologies in, in the airports and places. But they also put them in, the, in these vans that were going through. Well, that's along the street and x-raying people. That's really safe, isn't it? Eh? Uh, <laughs> but then, and then one of the top guys at Homeland Security left it and they joined the company that he lobbied for to get all this stuff put in. It's, it's so corrupt, you know. It's so corrupt. And that's how the system really works. And, and it's this amazingly corrupt system. It's not corrupt from their point of view. They're on, on they're a separate species, like Bertrand Russell said, you know. That's what he said, that the, 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 the real elite who, who would breed properly, they would select their mates very carefully. Along the lines that um, the Rockefellers and their better family type organizations dictated it should be. But he said eventually, and because they, they would raise their children with a different reality of how they ran the world, as opposed to the fiction they were teaching the people down below them to believe, um, then there would be technically a, 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 almost like a separate species. That's what he said. And that's how it is. 
So from their point of view, you, you, if they make you a star to be in front of the people, a Bill Gates type, you see, or a Zuckerberg, or any of these guys, yeah, then they'll make sure you've got this big money ba- backing you. Oh, no doubt about that. Epstein had a lot of money backing him, didn't he? He didn't seem to be producing any. He just seemed to have it. But uh, the stars are made in this world that you live in. The important folk that give you what are to be your opinions or how you're supposed to uh, 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 live from now on, according to what they've dictated, uh, they're all made stars by a big organized, the big, big club, you know, up there. The so-called guardians of everything, the guardians of the universe, <laughs> the guardians, the, the Prince Charles Olympians, the ones that decide, you know, public-private partnerships are the way you go, where the public pay for everything. And, ha- and they run the corporate, they own the corporations that you give it all to. You know. They, they, they know better how the world should be. And you should just mind your place and pay up and, and shut your mouth and allow them to go on with it, you know. That's, that's the new democracy, the new reality, the new, the new governance. Huh? Obey. Obedience is awfully handy to have if you're ruling people. Without being elected, you know? and even if you're being elected, uh, if you're really serving someone else, you want obedience amongst the people over the people, because this this is a clumsy thing. Like the Club of Rome said, this clumsy th- democracy is clumsy. And you got, leaders have to cater to the rights of. This is such a nuisance that rights of the people. It, it, it slows things down, these big projects, and, you know, and it, you can understand, you know, and the folk coming, folk coming into the Club of Rome are ambitious, young folk, you know, ambitious, and, and they can't be bored with these this rights and stuff like that, for goodness sake, eh? They know what has to be done. Ay, ay, ay. And, and unfortunately, with the psyops that are going on too, they're training the people that, that they're right. Well, you can't have all these rights during emergencies. So efficiency has to take precedence to save us all. So therefore you do what you're told or else. And that's your new freedom. I used to, again, I gave a talk some years ago on Bush talking about the new freedom. I said, what does it mean, the new freedom? Well, it's, it's nothing to do like the old freedom. <laughs> Where you had the rights to say, think, or, or even question things. Uh, now, you, now it's a it's a different kind of definition of the rights of, of freedom. Yeah? Until you don't have all the rights that you used to have, obviously. For the good of all. Yeah? And for the safety of everybody. And the survivability of everybody. That's how it's phrased today. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. That's how it's done. It's total war on the public. And it truly is total war. And you're going to see it very quickly now as they go into the next phase of the lockdowns. And that's the excuse to roll out the whole sustainability agenda, you know. But so many of the tests that are going on all the time, uh, the public are generally unaware of any of them, the general public. Again, they look to the mainstream and their daily newscaster and television to give them the reality. It doesn't dawn on them. These are all private institutions affiliated with big groups like the CIA. The CIA was exposed years ago, even in the 60s and 70s, 
when they had, they had to admit there's hundreds and hundreds, maybe in the thousands now, of operatives in all media, especially television and radio. That's how you control and manage and guide all public opinion, obviously. They, they didn't give up back then. They got, they got more embedded. <laughs> and they actually admit to it in some of the PSYOPs uh, manuals and so on. Not just the CIA, but they're all one group now, as far as I can see. But I was thinking, too, about the predictive programming that's, that we all live through. And you get prepared, as I say, prepared for what's to come, step by step. Different levels of true preparedness. They, pre- they, you, they prepare you for, for changes you're going to experience. They get you almost ready beforehand to just accept it without you knowing You've been programmed for it. Stacks of nature shows and television. You know, look at these poor animals and look what they're doing, doing. And and here's human encroachment, and you take their word for it. And and you're already feeling guilty, even though you have nowhere near the animals are encroaching. Uh, And of course, there's a whole lot different agenda on the go. They're getting you ready for human corridors. Uh, alongside the major highways and not outside, no, 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 no houses to be allowed outside. And eventually, with the agenda for the twenty-first century, the whole century, remember, is for a century of change. Um, so many th- parts of the agenda twenty-one have to be implemented every fifteen years, accomplished. But uh, you'll be eventually crowded back into the cities. And then you'll die off in austerity. It's not to be. You're over the, the old, the old way. Of buying whatever you wanted is to get phased out of, of commerce and so on. Yeah, this is what they're using all this for this COVID idea. And uh, yeah, I gave these talks years and years years ago about it all. And, and you're, you're here, you are watching it all, all come to fruition. And even the characters at the top admitting that this is a great opportunity to implement all the things to do with sustainability because the climate change had been stalled. The agreements, right? But now that Biden supposedly is, is getting back in, he's already agreed to naturally by these backers to, go, to get them back into the climate change agenda, sustainability, all the other parts of the agenda that, that had been put on hold during Trump's term. So the global elites are quite happy to... to and even with Biden, I mean, come on. Do you, do you really think all elections are real? There's nothing more fake than elections these days. Was you, you, you've you've been hammered with COVID since you know February or so. Total lockdowns, like a war times, even beyond way beyond warfare scenarios, where everything closes, including all industry, all work, everything, pretty well everything. You know? And that was just a training part for what's to come this winter which is to be two to three times more severe in lockdowns and, and laws and rules and so on. So you, you get the COVID coming along, then you get BLM, and then you get all the riots in the streets and burnings and Antifa. And uh, I don't know if they've even stopped in Portland yet, I don't know. And the bus, well-organized, bust around and the whole thing, well-funded, big money. So you've, you've had this, this almost like a Bolshevik-type revolutionary scenario throughout the States, at least on TV, it looks much bigger than it is, to terrify the public. So COVID, that, that going on terrifying the public, burning, burning businesses down and so on. The schizoid reaction 
that those who do, do even looting or protesting or whatever you want to call it, uh, they, can, they, can, they can be shoulder to shoulder, that's okay. Right? But other folk getting picked up and hammered, picked up, it's almost like wolf packs. When they see someone not wearing a mask and the cops all pounce them, some kind of, it's worse than some countries than others. So they pick these targets, but they won't go near um, certain minority groups. Uh, who don't give a, a darn about social distancing, and um, they won't go near the protest. In fact, they said protesters were okay, you know, to do what they did. They were somehow exi- the virus, I guess, would realise it was for a good cause and wouldn't infect anybody. So he's a schizoid attitude. So, so COVID, looting, burning, protesting, uh, and then the, and then the exp- and, and everything shut down, right? And misery and depression go for and unemployment. You I don't care what the I don't care what the Department of Statistics say. When everyone's closed down, and I know there's fact there's, there's, there's jobs getting laid off all over the place. I, you don't go with statistics. You go with you go with what you know is happening. Everyone's going bankrupt. It's meant to except the big organizations. You know the one percenters, eh? the, the same characters that run the WEF. And who fund the Club of Rome and the United Nations? Not, yeah. They've made massive profits because all competition has been destroyed. <laughs> and your politicians are in bed with them, obviously, to allow just them to open. This is called fascism. That's real fascism. But getting back to it, so you really think you're going to get honest elections? COVID lockdowns, bankruptcies. Threats by governments attacking people for not wearing masks, uh, riots, BLM, protests, yada yada yada, all of that stuff. Going and shooting, say folk, shooting, shooting people who just wore a MAGA hat. <laughs> all happening in the streets. And you thought you were going to get fair elections at the end of all this? There's been a massive operation on the go right from the get go here. And in a way, as I say, if you look into Soros's speech, you, you get glimpses of, of his disappointment. Uh, of what had happened with the cancellation of the U.S.'s participation in the climate agenda, because the climate agenda was was for the, was to put through the whole austerity program and just under sustainability. So COVID has forced them into you into you see same thing, a war type scenario where everything stops, and you're all going to end up in rationing. And you'll end up coming out of it under a whole new way of, of, of existing. I don't call it living, it's existing. Because you have no choices in anything pretty well. All planned that way. And that's was, this is a great reset. You're living through the great reset right now, the early phases of the introduction of it. But the first thing you do in warfare is destroy a country's economy. That's what you try and do. First thing. I hope we are figuring it out, for goodness sake. But... Um, and then, as I, I'll read articles tonight where the PSYOP units of other countries are, I mean, now they're openly working against their own people. That's on a dangerous, dangerous step, believe you me. Because the next step is to have the military physically attacking their own people. That is, I mean, it, it's bad enough when they're attacking folk on the internet for having their opinions and so on. That's bad enough. That's not democratic by any... So what system are you in, folks? You better start thinking about this.
But please stop saying that you live in free societies. Don't, 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 don't use that nonsense. You're in very dangerous times. Getting back to how you're programmed, you know, how nothing's new, and how you must convince the victim to almost commit suicide or give up. Eh? That's what you do in, in psychological warfare. Until literally the, the, the morals that kept them together, the, the, the zest they had to, to fight injustice against whatever, is demolished. And you say, oh, well, maybe they're right after all, and that's how it's done. This is all happening right now. It's been happening your whole life long, in fact. But you think of these hunger games, and after watching the street riots and, and so-called lawlessness, I don't know what the last movie was called, but supposedly they got to kill us, their, their enemies one day of the year or something. I didn't see that. But um, you think this is all new, these ideas, eh? And you, you, you see it here too with... Um, I, was, I, I was looking up the, the different old dystopian movies, and one was called uh, The Tenth Victim. A kind of silly, typically 60s type movie, 1965, with Ursula Andress in it, where this club existed, where folk would, be, would take challenges to, to go and hunt different people down and kill them, you see? So, so this, this idea, Hunger Games, is not all that new, really. You've had the idea floated and floated and floated, you know? And when it came to even eugenics, you know, in the 1920s and 30s, with Rockefellers in full swing and, and Cold Springs Harbor on, on the go to do with eugenics and, and attempted breeding better people, <laughs> that's what it was for. Because you're all wrong, so they make you better, you see. But you had lots of musicals came out. That was the whole thing in the 20s and the 30s, to change society then, by the way. And it was generally, again, aimed at women to flood into cities as sectaries and, and do, you know, even sleep with the boss. This is in the 20s and 30s. There's stacks of movies like that. Or he'd become a flapper, you know, or a hoofer, as sometimes they called it, the dancers on stage, the chorus girls. And, uh, and just become almost like the star of the day, like an like American idol of the day. Anybody could make it, you know. That was the idea. But lots of them were aimed at working girls to go into the cities and basically prostitute themselves to bosses and things to work their way up. They actually had one called, I think it was, um, uh, was the boss's secretary's wife or something. Because they, they, they take over from the, the real wife and they confide more in the secretary. So even psychology was involved back then too. Until the, was it the Department of Decency took over and decided to check these films that were basically promoting cultural change and they said not for the better. But also, there was a movie, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, I remember the, the show all these different people dancing on a table, making an arch with their legs, these women on the stacks of them, and the, the two, the singer, the male and the female, behind, between them at the bottom of the table. And... I think it was, you've got to be young and beautiful if you want to be loved. So the message was loud and clear that if you're young, you're worth it. You know, you've got worth if you want to be loved and so on. But folk who are older or past it, you're over the hill, you don't matter. 
which we're getting told today, it's time to die, you know. Time to die. How many years have you lived? It's time to die. And it's coming from your your, your ethics committee you know, and bioethics and so on. Eh? Yeah. But the people you don't vote for again, right? They just appear suddenly with schools of thought from universities. But I was thinking that, yeah, you had, you had that one, um, that movie, the songs like Be Young and Beautiful If You Want to Be Loved. And also you had a kind of comedy, it was called Just Imagine, 1930. The futuristic, I think it was to be set in 1980, but it was made in 1930, where they'd have flying vehicles, flying cars, and things like that. Uh, but everybody would have a number, and this is a kind of comedy, but everybody would have a number, and you wouldn't have children the normal way, you would order one, and it, would, it, was, like a nine, it was just three years before Brave New World came out, the, the, the book, yeah? And uh, two or three years before, anyway. And it was a, sci- a science fiction fantasy, you know. So the child would be artificially created for you. And, and you had to get permission to get married. And you had to, if, if it was a man, you could try and pick the, the woman if she wasn't attached. But you had to prove that you're a, better, a good eugenic match with financial income and all the rest of it, better family type thing. The, under the Rockefeller standards, uh, before you could marry, and, and judges would decide if you could or not, or couldn't. Quite interesting, but yeah, the, the idea has been floated out for a long time, and even through I get, so much actually is introduced through through enter, through um, comedy, oh, directly to the present. This you always push the limits through comedy. Uh, it's quite amazing to see how far they go with comedy. You can't put off guard with it, aren't you? You're know, laughing at something that, 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 that if it's a straight drama, might make the, the, the hairs in your head, just the hackles in your head, just stand up, you know. But with comedy, it's, it's a, you're in a, a, a click mode of between two two spaces, and you'll you'll you'll, you'll laugh. There's again, massive psychology involved and all that too. But the point is, nothing's coincidental, including at the right time putting out the Hunger Games. The title itself, Hunger Games, right? Who should live, who should die, and, and so on. And again, we, we have the professionals coming out nowadays and universities, just all, all at the same time, mind you. So it's not planned or anything, yeah? because that's how things really are introduced, always at the same time, as we give you the clues. Even what they want you to know at the same time, like, the, like all the intelligence agencies that now are gunning for you, it's all over the media. Uh, in, in the same week. That's not coincidence. Because you, you, it's coercion. It's, it's to frighten folk off to start with. That's part of psyop warfare. Frighten them first. Terrify. Then step up to terrify. Because these, these organizations terrify. They've been trained how to terrify populations in other countries. That's in their guidelines. Eh? And their tuition manuals. And they're pretty well accurate Stats on how, how much in the population generally will, will cave in right off the bat and say, oh, I don't want any trouble. And, so just before I finish this whole section, I feel like section, do you really think COVID, lockdowns, essential businesses, non-essential businesses, rationing in some areas, 
and eventually rationing off and cutting off non-essential products for sale <laughs> as a start. And then these spontaneous riots and protests, backed by governors and so on, right? Burnings, lootings, and Antifa out in the open there. Well funded, like you wouldn't believe. We're just going to stop it all and allow a fair election. Did you really think that? What made you think that? What do you mean? When the the whole of the establishment media, the whole of the WEF, the whole of the all the different groups at the United Nations, all completely all on board with getting Biden in, this massive intelligence operation. Obviously, folks, you don't have independent media there at the top. You really don't. That's why all the big name media was was they must have been getting government funding for the last twenty years. More and more, because no one was reading their stuff. It was so boring and obvious. Especially since the media went electronic. They had their, 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 their you know, the begging bowls out for years. No newspapers to sell, right? That's where they were getting the money from. Because they are their, they are their official, authenticated outlets of, of news by governments. <laughs> All of them, that's what they are. But everybody was on board for this, right? So after after all of that, do you really think that most Americans? I don't. See, I'm not. I don't do about politics. But do you really think that most Americans sat and watched again the COVID, the lockdown, the brutality by cops, and and then 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 Black Lives Matter, then Antifa, and the burning down of areas, including black areas, black business areas, and 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 residences, all getting burned down. You know, terrorize. This is this is a terror campaign. But again, you couldn't criticize it because the mainstream media were all for it. They would, you know, they didn't come down. They're all just, pro- just protests, you know, just protests. Yeah. As they blatantly got gaslighted, you, for goodness sake. And all the voters saw this, what was going on. Do you really think they were going to vote for the so-called left-wing party that was all on board with what they were going through, <laughs> including the riots and, and the burnings and lootings and so on? Do you really think they were going to vote? At the time... Everybody knew way more folk would be swayed to vote for Trump whether they liked him or not, because they had no option. And yet Biden apparently got elected with a, a bigger turnout than any president in history, according, according to what we're told, a joke. And he's only to be in for a little while anyway, because the whole point of it all is to get Kamala Harris in. He's just there to launch her, you know. And he'll drop out because of his health, and so I said that ages ago. It's rather evident, and and she'll take over. They do want a woman in, in charge of, of the terror campaign. They do. It's just a, a sort of cultic thing. That you'll see it to study history. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see the, 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 the kind of machinations of this going on, and people think are believing everything they're told eh? about honest votes and things. What a joke, eh? After, after revolutions in the streets, no, on behalf of the big internationalists, <laughs> the globalists. Uh, quite amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, folk are not suicidal. They'd obviously vote for the organization that wants to turn you all into a communist nation. Come on, come on, wake up. But uh, as I say, um, you've never had such a great display of a one-man a one 
power system that runs the whole show from the day that the President Trump got in. Bash, 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 all the whole way right through. Again, complete embedded CIA operas everywhere. And I really mean that. Their own writings admit that too, by the way, you know. So, so I'm not surprised at all by it at all. You know. On board, unified information is so important for totalitarian regimes. That's the first thing you do. You unify all information. You have to be on board with it, you see. Remember, the target of everything, again, is you, all of you, everybody. That's what authoritarian systems, that's how they really rule. They don't want you to understand that you're getting ruled. They want you to think they're being democratically governed. But you've been ruled your whole life long, and before you were born, in fact, you've been ruled. It's the same with population control. Population control has been practiced for an awful, awful long time. And you can't please the, the, the people who put all the different commands out there and, and be good and do what you're told and don't have many children. And then when you do it, then they say, well, there's not enough of you. <laughs> and then the floods Europe. So, yeah, it's not meant to you can please the master. This is another thing I, I meant to say, too. You see, under totalitarian systems, you can't please the masters to get along. You can't please them. In fact, they hate you for groveling on your knees to them. They really do hate you. The, the, the more you grovel, the, the more they despise you. I remember giving a talk years ago. It's like, um, if you can imagine a king on a throne, and there's, and there's a bunch of steps going down to the to where the, all the peasants are standing, you know. And you have to go up there, and you've been called up for some misdemeanor or whatever it happens to be. But you go in there, and you know that this is a per- this is, this person has the power of life and death. There's no appeals department here, and if he condemns you for something, that's you finished. So people would fall on their knees, and they 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 try and climb up the stairs to clutch the hem of the cloak of the the great king, or whatever, and grovel. But the more that you grovel, the more they despise you. Because you grovel. So there's no pleasing them, as I've said. I used to say, we're, we're all crippled to an extent with, with the indoctrination we've had. And there's circumstances in which there's not been a generation that's had peace, you know. You get bank collapses every, at least twice a century. And a bunch of minor ones in between. But at least twice a century, you get at least a couple of good ones. And as they, as they plunder your wealth and take it from you. And the money's devalued. And so if you had before, you could maybe half of what you had before in real spending power. You see, this is how it works out. And then you have um, wars. Wars that you had no say in. Wars to, to go against people that you had no beef with at all. And, and here's, here's your government trying to make you hate them very quickly. Until they go for you. If you, if you say, well, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I just can't bring myself to really hate them. You know? Now you're an enemy. You see, big forces at you, but you never get peace. You never, you just don't get a, a, an era of peace, do you? You don't get it. It's quite amazing that I watched uh, someone sent me a documentary. It was on like economists who are connected with the WF talking about 
the 2007-8 crash. And they were disappointed. They were disappointed, by the way. These characters like the, who, who work with the United Nations and W, they were disappointed that, that, that the, cons- the consumption of people and, and the recovery after the last crash, two, 2007 and eight, had happened. Uh, it, was, it was happening despite the policies of government to try to keep everything down. Because you're supposed to have been in a, an age of austerity already after the 2007 collapse, but a lot of small business helped pull them out of it. And they hated the idea. Well, guess who's all been closed down with this great reset? Think that's coincidence? You see, the, the last 2007-8, apart from a plundering job, was also a reset. And it doesn't mean just resetting the, the value of your current. It was a way of living post-consumer sustainability. The same mantra you've heard for years from the same people. That's the purpose of it. And they were really ticked off that, that, that we, we weren't suffering and more and more and more. And folk were still buying things and all that. And, and, and the economy was recovering. They hated that. Absolutely hated it. You're supposed to get taxed in the ground with carbon taxes and so on, so you don't have any spare money. I gave a talk years ago on this from their own records and agendas where they talked about sustainability and what it meant that eventually all spending uh, for extras would be gone because so much of your money would go into a higher cost for all kind of energy and basic foodstuffs and so on until you'd have no money left and that was sustainability. Every extra was out the window, you know. Oh, here it is again, eh? <laughs> oh, it's, it's COVID, you know. And that's how things are done. The public never really catch on to the real goings-on. And again, here's another thing, too. There's no point just arguing everything you know about COVID. Folk, folk are fi- fixated on COVID-19. And they're arguing, again, which are obvious contradictions from the mainstream and all the so-called experts and what people are, who are working with the patients and all are coming out with two, two, two totally different stories of the reality of COVID. And you're supposed to get involved in the argument, you see, they want you to, because you, you never win it. How can you win it? It doesn't matter who says what. Uh, it, all, it comes down to facts don't matter. What is dictated and decreed by the top groups it's what you, you better parrot or else that's, that's it. It's not meant that you win it, you see. And again, facts don't matter. Even from the frontline doctors have come out en masse in Germany and across the world and, and in states and elsewhere. The facts don't This is a bigger program than anything you've ever been told or will be told. The whole future of their, the, the, the whole future of the past fifty years of planning to bring you to total austerity, is was almost tossed out the window, until they came up with this. This is the great crash reset. <laughs> this is it. To bring all the policies through, and you're not supposed to go back to any kind of, of consumerism afterwards that you had before. They've said that actually. They've actually said the club at Rome. So it's not me making this up. You can read it yourselves if you want to. So you have to think for yourselves. And it's not an easy thing to do when you're bombarded with, uh, again, all these thousands of uh, voices and psyop operatives and 
of various guises of kind to try and grab your mind and get into your head and and say, don't think your own thoughts, for goodness. Take my thoughts. Again, I'll get back to something I've never finished for a while, but I've said waking up for most folk, for, for the real daring people, you need a crash course in skydiving. But again, it's like jumping on a plane with a parachute. You have to be willing to accept that you're, you're, if you went through reality, you'll get shock after shock after shock. And you might not be prepared for the shocks, because a lot of things that you thought were true, you, you, you question and you toss out. and you, you're, you might go into shock just finding out all that kind of stuff. Until you realize that things that you held to be dear and true were fake, and maybe they were real at one time, we'll never really know. But definitely in your lifetime, and probably your parents at least, it's been fake, and you may have to let them go, all the things that are dear to you. That's, that's, that's what, if you're really after truth, eh? You can't really, and we're all human. You say, well, I like the truth, but I also like the idea that, you know, that this was real and so on and more, and that's the sad part about it. Because you have to toss a lot of other things out that you really liked. Yep. I can remember when information was always filtered down to, to writers of music and songs. When when the political correct updates were getting put out by the, those who ran, I mean, this this is a an, the, the culture industry. It's a tightly controlled industry. It's a very important industry because that's how you shape society and control, keep a hold of society, but guide the changes that you want implemented. There's hardly anything in it that, that's outside of the authority of it. That's drama, movies, music, everything you know, art painting, all that. And years ago, but in the 1970s, those who own the business, the, the world business for culture, because it truly is, it's a big club, they must all work together, fashion, uh, music, as I say, the arts, uh, the movies that you watch, novels that you read, it has to always be a kind of a, 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 an understood um, repetitive agenda, you see, to get through uh, that this is all quite natural and it works together. There's no doubt about it. And um, back in, in the 70s, as I say, it comes down to the to the writers in the music area and in the, in the lyrics too, as well as music, though, and some were both, of course. And they, they were telling them that they wouldn't purchase and use songs that... Uh, they would say he or she and so on, or use first names of the genders and so on, and that's how uh, suddenly you had a you had um, so-called love songs that, that wouldn't specify uh, who you were singing to, <laughs> and it's pretty well banned in a sense, and no one could sell any songs uh, if, if unless they changed to gender neutral, neither he, she, or whatever, and very amorphous in a sense. And that's how it is with the styles too, as went into eventually the when they brought out rap, for instance, it didn't happen by itself. 
and you you prepare a, a whole generation really for the for the two thousand and twenties where you're going to set them loose on the streets and kill cops and yada yada yada. It's, you prepare the ground and folk don't realise it as they're living through it. They think it's still entertainment as they're being programmed for what's to come down the road. I've mentioned it before that Albert Pike said it too that you never start a premature revolution. Everything must be in place. You must have everything perfect, including the training of the people and, and indoctrination of the people that you're going to use for the revolution. It takes years to prepare that too. It even takes years to prepare the teachers who will teach them. And and again, with the, the culture industry, they have to be prepared too, to be all on board together with the same agenda with, with when it comes to big changes. So everything's done way, way ahead of time. And for and for what's to happen down the road, uh, I always think of the Rolling Stones song "Time Is on My Side" in the tribute. That was the idea for for old Nick, you might say, and um, all the time in the world to change society. Foundations say it too. They can set off in the 1700s as as foundations or philanthropic organisations, as they call themselves, and they would uh, eventually change the world because they could bypass parliaments and they don't have to get voted in and out by the citizenry and so they can get changes done and it might take them 100 years or some parts of the agenda or 200 years and in that time they've, they've, they've brought in a few generations of employees working for them uh, by the thousands mind you they're big organisations like massive civil service organisations in a sense when you look at the big foundations they have thousands of folk working in their offices um, You've you got to realise these are really who run. This is what runs the world. The richest folk on the planet have always really run the world, and you, you really think they're going to give the public this idea of equality and democracy? They use the term all the time to get armies they can use <laughs> to destroy what was, but it's not meant that you get this idea of equality and democracy. They'll give you the, Soviet, the old Soviet system, where again ruled by councils, they'll appoint leaders. Who will speak on behalf of you if, if it's either colour, as they call it, coloured or, or ethnic group, gender group, uh, whatever, or, or ethnicity, whatever it happens to be, they'll supply your leaders for you. But the rest of the people who follow it say, "What happened? We thought we we're going to have equality here, and nah, it's not meant." The power? Why would power ever ever give its, its whole power away to you? Why <laughs> do you really believe that thing? They really are philanthropic. <laughs> That's how it is. Everything runs this way in society. As I say, most of, of the, the, the management of society, the real management, and the thousands of non-governmental organizations uh, that are heavily funded by the, 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 the big foundations, that's what really runs the world, you know. There are also their own spy agencies, too. They have them across the world. And they're wonderful sounding names and into every nation in the world. And um, if you think those who own the foundations, the richest folk on the planet, don't use them to go into nations like, like they've always done and uh, look at, look, get, get a hold of the resources to help the people, you know, they can't do it themselves. They need help in organizing themselves. So it's only right that experienced people should come in there and, and help them, you know, take the burden of all that potential wealth off their shoulders. And that's how things really work. Prepare the future uh, by preparing the fields. Uh, and you plough the field, take the weeds out of the field. You've got to uh, harrow it, you know, disc it and harrow it and 
take the stones out of the field and then supply it with extra fertilizer of all kinds, even natural, which is the best really. And they get it and wait, wait a year and until the bacteria is in the soil and everything's working and the worms come in and aerate it too. And, and then you plant the seed, you see, at the right time again. You can't plant it any time of the year. And you plant it at the right time. And then you, you pretty well, you're a guaranteed revolution, you might say. And that's how it's done. Up and into the 1950s and early 60s, most of the songs then were boy-girl, they're all natural things, you know, it was just, it always been that way, boy-girl, girl-boy, and, and uh, teeny bopper love, as they called it, that kind of thing too, because that's how all marriages started off, <laughs> or carrying it up, from teeny bopper this and teeny bopper that, and and the folk would sing the songs, and they, didn't, they couldn't think that anything else was, anything was wrong with that at the time, naturally. Having, uh, getting married and having children seemed the natural thing you do, and uh, that was inevitable actually, until the pill came along, of course, and it was heavily uh, promoted then in some countries, especially Britain. And then there was another reason why the National Health Service came out, was for to deal with abor- his abortion industry and uh, to dispense the medications to prevent births and so on. So now that they knew that they planned for a society where very few marriages would last, because you were going to flood the, the, uh, the media, the, the television, and so on, and programming with basically sex, 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 which they did, which has got got worse up until until it's quite normal now, isn't it? You know, I don't know what is normal now on television, sex-wise, but but it's not meant to make you happy or content. TV is designed to make you discontented with everything. That's advertising too. If advertising, um, um, what do you think it's out there? It's to make you unhappy with what you have. Whether it's a toothbrush or or a comb or a soap or whatever it is, it's to make you unhappy with what you have. You try this instead. What's well, the same with everything else on television? It's to guide you and shape you and, and alter you and, and to what your masters want you to be. And to live that way too. So yeah, there was a complete war on the old system very quickly as they, as they hypersexualized the 1960s. Um, miniskirts, all that kind of stuff, and sex, sex, sex. So they could, and they mentioned it in some of the schools of thought that were out there, that they were they're attempting to separate the, the bonding process that occurred uh, with, with, with people uh, as they mated, you know. So, so that sex would be completely separate and there would be no bonding process. And that's what they're working towards with mass, you know, promiscuity, that would develop it. They're quite open about it in their writings, how they would achieve it. And it's been pretty well done, you know. Uh, and not for everybody, but for an awful lot of people. And I really don't think that people have much of a chance, looking, looking back and looking at the present time, of, of having successful marriages if if they have televisions in their homes. I really don't think so. They're weaponized, so weaponized. And you can't have all these professionals working on every program and you think you're smart enough to avoid all of the indoctrination. No, you're not. So you have to avoid the the weaponry. It's like having a landmine there. But getting back to to reality and wanting to know the truth is to jump out of a plane without a parachute if you really want to know the, know the truth. And I used to also say it was like, 
because I knew the, 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 the groups today. <laughs> There's a lot of fake groups out there put out by intelligence agencies. I suppose they speak for you, by the way, and alternate media. The folk don't know. I used to, I just, I gave the history about that, some of the history of that, many years ago to do when they were fighting the Cold War and using different groups to put out propaganda on the, the, in the radio, worldwide radio. And the CIA was operating. Well, they never really gave it up. And now, of course, it's something that now it's really into the high tech stuff and computerization, artificial intelligence, and the, the, whatever flavor of alternate media to fight the system that you might want, they've already got it ready made for you. And for every type of person that you are, that they have one for every, every category that come out well funded and and churn stuff out. And I, as I say, I've said before, I know how, what it takes out of you to do it all yourself. And if you were doing videos at the same time and documentaries and, and daily talks, come on here. No, you're talking about teams of people behind all. So yeah, you're, you're well, everybody's been well catered to. And I, I gave this talk again back in the 90s. I said, you know, it's like if you were living underground, yeah, we'll say you're, you're asleep. And you, you want, and you get an inkling that there's some kind of life out there, and you come up a big tunnel into the surface, and you see a field there, and, and maybe a couple hundred yards up down the road, there's a forest, too. and you just know instinctively you should try and you don't know that this field's a new thing to you, this space, and they have signs everywhere, and in, in the field. Of the truth is here, come here, I've got the truth. And, and these, these billboards are all over the place, you see. And then the other ones say, no, no, don't go there, come here. So they all say they've got the truth. And I said, your whole idea is to get out of that tunnel, get into that field, and zigzag around everything, and try not to get caught on your way to that forest. So you can get a breather once you're in the forest, you can kind of hide a little bit and think. Because that's what it's really like, folks, try to find the truth. And we're so well understood in this day and age, so well in every area, and analyzed, by the way, that they know how to put the grabbers out there. You know, if you notice, as I said, all mainstream does it, they've always done it. They give you an amazing headline, and you say, oh, when it gets, oh, that's going to be interesting. And you, you look at it, and there's just nothing in the story at all. It's a, it's a what we used to call a fib. The people who would do fibs, not awful. And that's what you've got, and and all the you find it with all through alternate media too. A lot, a lot of fibs, eh? uh, they pretend they've got some new stuff, but it's not new at all. It's recycled, and but they'll do, they do these grabbers, and the idea is to get you in, and then bring you around, and and, and maybe even get you off. In a, in a, there are many lanes that go nowhere, but at least they go away from from where they want you to to to. to, to. They don't want you to go where you're going. So they lead you off in all kinds of directions, and and I can see it now too. I I said years ago, once you start pulling in the reins of the internet, they'll give you everything free for about twenty years, and then they'll start pulling in the reins until you just pay for everything. Then it's monitoring you, and then it'll start silencing you, because it's a they're private organisations. Although they're all intelligence operations, they're private. This, this, this is the legalities that they've set themselves up as you see. 
most intelligence agencies today are farmed out to private institutions, but they're still intelligence agencies, uh, with all the powers of intelligence agencies too. And uh, so they want you not to, don't go off in your own direction. They want you to pull you off in the direction that they want. So so they'll. I said that they'll happen until, but I said eventually people will stick with it. Is to take all your rights and freedoms from you. This is before the, we heard the term social credit system. But, uh, and, and I said, they'll take all, uh, but most folks will stay on it because they get so used to it. And they'll, they'll still stick on their Facebooks and their, and their social programs and platforms and so on. Uh, because they got accustomed to it. And that's what folk are. You become accustomed to things, even when it becomes bad for you, you see, or dangerous to you. You're, you're still, oh, well, you know. And, and I'll continue with it. And I said that, and sure enough, that's exactly what's happening now, isn't it? Absolutely. And and you are your worst enemy if you're putting all your data up there and joining all these things. And, well, we, we guarantee privacy. Oh, come on here. Meanwhile, you've got PSYOP operations, that, that, like the one, the Brigade 77 in, in Britain, 77 Brigade, uh, that, who, uh, who, and I've given the, the stuff out from the main talks that have been given by the leaders of it. And they say they've got thousands of operatives, for goodness sake, working on it all. Well, what do you think they're doing? They're, they're cutting through your computers like you wouldn't believe, like, like knives through soft butter, warm butter. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter how much encryption you have, but, but and compelling massive data banks on you. have been all along before COVID came along, before 9-11 came along, but massive data banks, because everyone must be, in this brave new world, must be completely predictable. And that's why they, they know everything about you. You give up your daily data to your friends and your likes and dislikes and all the rest of the things you do, and they add it to your personality profile and even run simulations on the virtual you. I've mentioned this before, the Pentagon. I heard someone repeating that just the other day. They got it kind of wrong, but lots of my stuff's out there <laughs> for so many years, and folk just use it. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Pentagon runs virtual programs and simulations on how you personally would react in different situations in the virtual reality world, and they say that the outcome is, is pretty well what you'll do in real life. You know, they're, they're, you're so well understood. So yeah, the internet is not your friend; never was, and they could never pull any of this off. By the way, without the internet and cell phone, you know, the cell phone. Uh, I had it from good authority years ago, from someone who was in the know, on a certain level in the States, that, that your cell phone would become your your ID, you know. It already had, actually, and that's exactly what it is. You buy, you pay big money for it, you're analyzed that like you wouldn't believe with it. Most most folk do all their stuff through their telephone, their phone. And now they're, they're demanding, and they're just putting in the apps for the, for the permanent. This is permanent uh, tracing for COVID. And then after COVID, permanent this and permanent that, and all the other things that are out there too. It's not going to stop, you see. It's not my opinion. If I've just said himself that uh, e- even with these jabs that are coming along, they might not stop it. Because it's not meant to stop it, or stop anything. Uh, well, well, at least not what they're telling you it's going to stop. And uh, he said, too, you still have to wear masks and stuff, and you still have lockdowns. This is permanent. And contact tracers, as it were, I just call them the Stasi, because their, their, their goal is not just to find out who's been near who, 
That's just the start of the agenda, who's been near who or whom, because that's what you do in totalitarian societies. You have thousands of folk who follow people around and investigate for without their knowledge, find out where they've been, who they've spoken to, and etc. And it's to be here permanently. You're starting to get the picture now. It's two years to plan. Years and years to plan. It's interesting, too, I've always thought it interesting, when you find out that, that operatives within the CIA, FBI, and uh, MI6, and so on, that they use as fronts for, for big ops. And, and they're allowed to make millions, by the way. They want the selected few, you see. And they do have real businesses. They can have real businesses under their command, set up by the CIA. They make real things, you know especially in the technology departments. But it's the most dangerous time in history because never has a power been given so much power as this over the public. You used to have some semblance of departments that you could at least try and go and complain to. It may, may not work, but it generally didn't work. But you don't even have that today. You're seeing that your overlords are everywhere, running everything. <laughs> everything, eh? is isn't just all media and all, all artificial intelligence monitoring and so on, and censorship, etc. But they run your governments openly now. Your governments are all obedient little lackeys, obviously. And they're not going to do anything to help you if you complain to them. They're all on board with the agenda because they know who's buttering their bread and how they got into power as well. Very dangerous time. Who do you complain to? See, even when you had Cold Wars and so on, the, the tactic used to be, oh, look at them over there. Look at what they do, you know, how they repress their people. And that's how your system, the, run, run, the people who ran your country, the owners of your country, uh, would, would, they would tell you, the peasantry, you know, look at them, look, what they're doing, look how they treat this, this group or that group or whatever it is. And you're supposed to feel really bad about it, you see. And that's how they get you to hate them eventually. Look what they're doing, no, it's terrible. As they, as, they, as they create a new enemy, that's how you, you, you must get the public to hate the enemy that you want them to hate before you attack that enemy, you see. And they're awfully good at that. Sometimes it'll take 20 years, they're building up. Because they've got patience, you see. But you, you can understand. It never stops, I should say, except now. This is when that, that old system stops. Because, because they don't need that enemy anymore. And they'd have to... During the Cold War, he's, he's another thing too. And folk don't like to admit this, you see. But the governments of the West had to listen to the mass demonstrations for more money by workers or unemployed or, and so on. Like they had in the 1930s and 40s and 50s and even the 60s too. And the unions, yeah, the unions were definitely getting built up big time. And often you had the communistic leaders in charge of them. Oh, it used to strike me as odd too. Why would you need communists to be the leaders of, of the labor movement? Why can't you just have labor movement leaders for your own country? 
there's more things that meet the eye, I understand. Who puts them in, in power and why? And who would they release her, eh? But getting back to the point, the, the fact is, during the Cold War, the West had to always say, look how free we are, you see? And they keep touting about all oh, that freedom of speech and, and, and freedom to do this and freedom to do that that you don't have in those communist bloc countries. But it's all a show, folks, because as soon as the so-called uh, communism fell, supposedly, in no time at all, your countries are off to war across the Middle East. Like old-term plans, just waiting for the right moment. Away they went. And, uh, and at the same time, all their rights with labor unions and so on start falling apart. You don't need them anymore. We're, we're too civilized now. Employees, employers are awfully good to their employees now. There's a human nature's changed, you know. And, and you watched it all go down the tubes, eh? Everything that folk thought that they'd fought for for years just vanish. <laughs> and that's how it was, it was run. So, so you got to understand, you're always played. Always played. And basic natures never changes. Greed doesn't change either. Ambitious people doesn't change. And if someone wants to 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 complain about your, the fact you're getting all populist and so on, and and they themselves they say have been working for forty years changing the world, who who is the tyrant here that they want to make the world in their image? Well, who gave them that right? Huh? Just think about that too, if you, if you want to. <laughs> But yeah, we're living through amazing times now that, that, that has never been so in your face. So who do you complain to? Uh, there's literally no point. I, I really mean that. I said this back in fact. I could tell right off the bat that this is the big agenda. That the Great Reset idea was, was a big agenda before they, they, they repopulized the, 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 the Great Reset, you know, and made it more commonly known what it, what it was. It was obvious that... Uh, they weren't going to sit back and allow people to pull out the European Union. Uh, they weren't going to allow um, the U.S. to back out of the climate accord because the, the U.S. funds most of it. The taxpayers fund most of it. And um, and the U.S. also fights all the wars across the world too, eh? for them party to, to make them all conform into this new system as well. Under the do you remember that Operation Iraqi Freedom with Bush Jr.? Remember that one? And and the Pharisees, as the troops tried to study, you saw these great propaganda pieces, and there's a soldier saying, you stupid effers, he says. And um, he said, we're bringing you democracy. That was a big, that was a big photographs, you know, to, to, the, to the Iraqis. And the Iraqis didn't want this thing called democracy. And the Iraqis said, well, what is it? And, and how come you don't have it? You know, That took a while to drop too, that penny. But that's really what... Everything's propaganda, isn't it? Everything's truly propaganda. Yeah, but once the Cold War was over, yeah, you didn't have to keep it the pretense of caring for the people or giving you something back for all the taxes that are plundered from you all the time. So, yeah, we're not given much time at all. Of, of uh, much of a space in our lives for um, peace. The cultural wars on the go. To change your society, you, you get economic warfare, as I said before, and big crashes where they plunder whole economies and your savings and devalue the, 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 the currency itself. 
So war is devaluation, and then many uh, resets all through your life too, as as they reset the system, bring into austerity. Wars are good for austerity and rationing, of course. And, and in between that, too, you've got threats of war, you see, or keeping you safe. They're either going to save you or save the planet that you're going to destroy, or they're keeping you safe from war, you see. It's always keeping you safe and take all rights from you. Same with terror, take your all rights from you to keep you safe. And we go along with it, you know, it's the oldest trick in the book, keeping you safe and taking away your rights. But it's also a good documentary. Uh, it's interesting, I should say. So, um, I, I don't know who put it out exactly, but it was, it's, um, I think it was 1965. And it was called The War Game. And it was a simulation of leading up to a nuclear war in Britain. Now, they've had other ones before, too. The threads and so on, really good ones. And this one went through the scenarios of what would happen and give the statistics of how many folk they expect to die in every area with radiation and that maps of the, of the places they knew were definitely targeted for nuclear war if they went to war with Russia. And um, it, it was interesting to write down to exposing some of what they would actually do according to the plans that were on the books by the British authorities, if anything happened. They had some negative things in it, too, where they, they actually had fake ministers or priests putting out ridiculous propaganda, being on board with having wars and so on. So you could tell it was very, very left-wing organizers, but, but regardless, these professional actors at the time to do it all. And um, and they did show you what, what the uh, step-by-step agenda would be for dealing with the fallout and people, and it reminded me of COVID actually, because um, when COVID came out, out came the, the ethicists and the bioethics committees that I mentioned before that they already were working with governments because we're, they were already working with Event 201 before it all happened anyway, <laughs> and to decide and what they tell. But well, you wouldn't have enough medication to treat the certain people. Uh, and we wouldn't have all the, the, the even the ventilators and so on. So what did really decide right off the bat who's going to live and die here, and who can we save and who's not worth saving? And that's what really means is who's not worth saving. So again, this is your bioethics and 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 command of things with lawyers. A lot of the, the, those who take ethicist courses work with law, lawyers to see how far they can push it. You see. So they even had that in uh, back in the nineteen sixties in the sixty five. Uh, the war game scenario. But eventually, at one stage, they, when, when the folk went into really bad irradiation sickness, and they go through all the symptoms of it, was to be expected, and so on. This is, a, this, this is actually is so fascinating, because at that time, Britain really was, was still on rationing to an extent. The folk couldn't afford meetings, and so on. In fact, in the documentary, they, they actually mention uh, this little shelter you really build inside your own home. Uh, oh, like some plywood, you get a little V-shape inside of it, and you try maybe four feet wide, five feet wide, to get a couple of people in there, and stock up a little bit of food and so on. And they actually said that that they'd already done surveys at that time. This is a time of austerity for Britain, right? High taxes, low wages, high expensive cost of living, just for basic necessities. The things that all the all the Great Reset wants to bring back, by the way, exactly that. 
And, and they said that most folk couldn't afford even the, the plywood and all the things necessary to make it, to make this happen. This is 1965. The era when they gave you, oh, look at, be happy for these four self-made you know, guys called the Beatles. Eh? <laughs> be happy for them, you know. Meanwhile, you're living under the threat of being annihilated. And the folk couldn't afford basic necessities or even enough food for it to last a few weeks and so on. That was Great Britain, yeah. But they also showed you, just like getting back to who's going to get medication and who's not, uh, where they issued the police eventually. And it, according to the agenda, by the way, for the real thing, to the manual, they give the police revolvers and they would literally shoot. Because they wouldn't have medications to even put folk out of their misery or, or pain medication or opium or anything or morphine. And so they would just literally shoot people. So that was their way of dealing with it. Today, of course, it's different. We're more advanced now, where your government authorities already decided the, the age categories of who to save and who not to save, <laughs> and who's going to get medication, right? Is it training you? Well, I guess that's right. They won't have enough medication. Really? Really? Honestly? Oh, well. Okay. You're getting trained in a whole bunch of new values here, and folk don't realize it. You can't trust anything they tell you. You understand? It, it, Everything is deception. That's how they rule you, is by deception. That's how you get it to comply. That's to get it to start to accept things you shouldn't be accepting. Because you'll start to believe it's for the greater good. But when you start trusting government, that's what Ronald Reagan said. I don't know who wrote, who, who his speechwriters were. All these guys, I mean, all, they all are just front people too. And the speechwriters are the ones who are all on board. They, I think they, they really study at the same university, this world university, because they're, the, they're all on board with the same speeches across the planet, you know, at the same time with the same things that they believe in. But uh, Ronald Reagan said that the, 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 the most frightening words that American citizens can hear that's when if people come to the door and say, we're from the government, we're here to help you. And that's the truth. More so of what's coming along the pike now, isn't it? I, I, I could, it was really astonishing to see that they want to put the military around to give vaccinations. That's not what the army is there for. An army is a force. Think, think of the... The connotations of what an army is, an army is meant to go and kill people. Th- number one, think that, think that, right? think that. The, the event 201 so on, and all their documentation said they would use the army. They've already conditioned the army that they can help in, with floods and things. So they've already conditioned us, you know. Uh, uh, that's what they're there for. No, an army is meant to kill people, but they're going to give you vaccinations. That sounds really good. Do you feel better now? <laughs> It's quite a, and don't forget, too, the blanket immunity that, that the governments have all signed on to to make sure that whoever gives vaccinations will be completely immune from prosecution for any ill effects or deaths that caused. That's a right you can never give up. Is your right to at least do that, Sue. That's this tyranny otherwise, folks. Do no harm. The Nuremberg Code as well promoted the same concept, you know. And and that no one has the right to experiment with with you and your body using any kind of medications or any techniques. 
You can't throw the, you can't throw these hard-earned rights out the window. Huh? Can't do it, folks. You mustn't do it because we live in in technocratic times where you know and your masters will give you the experts to rule you, and you're too dumb and stupid to do it yourself. For goodness sake. And if they give you money and let you earn money, you start buying things. And they can't have that in a post-consumerist society. For goodness sakes. Just spend money on apps and things that track and trace you. And, 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 and never mind the cost of the phone and the programs themselves. But uh, yeah, you just they want you to use that all the time. But don't buy real tangible goods. Don't do that. If you if you get tangible goods, you'll feel better. You see, I, gee, I, I earned money and I bought that. Yeah, you see, it might make you want to buy something else. <gasps> Can't have that for goodness sake, eh? Then we're seeing a time where the whole agenda under one guise has been rammed through under the under the oh, well, necessities and non necessities. <gasps> An essential and non-essential. Right down, you probably got the articles you've seen where cops in Britain were searching people's purses and things to see if they'd bought anything that was non-essential in the stores. No one would have seen the day as happening. No way. Can you imagine if they did this during a Cold War scenario? Where, where they, well, do you think that, 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 see this is the problem The field day, a, a supposed uh, competitor I don't call them enemies, all com- competing A competitor would have Aiming at your country Look what they're doing to their citizens there They're, they're going through d- d- And finding people and imprisoning folk For buying something they didn't need Can you believe it? You gotta bring this back into reality folks You already start doing it Very quickly And think for yourselves because you will not like austerity, post-consumer, where Maury's strong, you know, and gave talks about it, and and Friends of the Earth, and all the other groups, all the all the, the funded armies, again, funded armies, by the big foundations that really run everything, said that, uh, you know, they're going to bring in a, a post-consumerist society and dismantle all business and dismantle all industry. Completely into pre-industrial levels, and they mean it <laughs> for you. That is, eh? <laughs> not for themselves. And once again, cutting through the matrix dot com. Throw a few bucks my way, hopefully, and you can buy the books and discs if you want. Or you can just straight donations are awfully welcome. And uh, you, you see how to do it, PayPal. Send cash is fine Checks are fine Or you can even get a, a check from the bank Itself if you want And MoneyGram is still accepted as well At the moment And that'll t- make me take along Because uh, you've got to realise that You're on the cusp of horror right now and literally, they're going to go for people. They start knocking them off one one after the other, right down to imprisonment. They said at their big meetings and the tests that they did leading up to the COVID before COVID broke out. <laughs> they said they'd start eventually. Eventually, they'd not just ban folk from media and fine them and so on. They'd eventually go and pick folk up and, and imprison them. 
because you'd be an enemy of the state, you see, if, if, you've, if you're against any part of their agenda that's f- for the common good, you know, and for a better tomorrow, and so on. Uh, that's how tyranny never, never ever changes its, its um, appearance, really, of what it really is. It has a camouflage outside, a shimmering way that it projects something to the people, but you can see past the shimmering if you wake up and see for what it is, and it's not pleasant. And there are those people who run the world who've decided in their big, big club that they have the right to decide how you're going to live or exist, right down to if you're going to even allow it to exist at all or get born, you see. And and, and, and this is not making stuff up. They've been so vocal about it, especially at the last climate meeting, where they talked about, uh, the, 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 again, that this recycled ideal, oh, should, we should get issue licenses for those folk who, should, who want to get, have children to see if they should have children or not. The, the whole Chinese model, remember, huh? is there. I remember reading, uh, I'm on these oddballs that, that, that kind of um, get, I get bored once in a while, but I'm also interested in finding out what they're saying at these big meetings when when the head of China comes out and gives a big speech to the West, you know. And they're long and windy, and um, and there was one a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago, maybe a bit more actually, but uh, he came out, he, he was talking to the West, like like a representative of, of a country talking to the representatives of the other countries like the West. And he said, and, and we hold, we hold the countries of the West to our agreement regarding reducing population. I said, what is he talking about? Wait, what, what agreement was this that he's holding us to? Huh? Was it just abortion or sterilization? Well, definitely we're going... And fertile in the West, as we know, is a grown, massively grown business is fertility clinics. It's been that way for a long time now. And no one's bothered about the, the, the sperm count plummeting. It's, and as I say, a farmer, a farmer, believe you me, of, of animals, knows everything about his animals. Stock, um, the genetics, the, the, the eugenical line that <laughs> comes from, even the names of the previous uh, Bulls and so on that sperm comes they, they know all that stuff Because they want you to know Again, to be predictable right? And if anything happens uh, And goes awry Then he wants to know why What's wrong immediately He doesn't waste time You'll get the vet and whatever it happens to be And specialists involved if, Regardless of what it costs him He's got to get done Because he'll lose more if he doesn't Um and that's the natural thing that happens, you see. He owns a stock and he, he wants to know what's happened to his stock. Well, when we know that the, the sperm count is plummeting in the West, we know that. We know that um, there's more, more or weird kinds of cancers developing. You see, that there's no crisis from our masters. And we do have masters. Why would the masters close you all down because of something they say is, is generally is so mild you won't even know, to know if you've had it, this COVID? But they're not interested in finding out why you're all going sterile. Well, it's because, you see, they know why you're going sterile. It's meant they happen. That's why it's not a crisis. Maybe you start to get the picture here. You start using logic, you know? 
the terrified getting a sniffle, but they don't care if you're going sterile. Hmm, that's it. So there you go. So again, cuttingthroughmarriage.com, send a few bucks my way. And don't forget, because people do forget as they get into these talks. Remember, too, um, a lot of folk put them on uh, MP3 or whatever, or whatever player they're using, and they can listen to a bit at a time, or when they're driving, even some of them listen to it. A lot of people actually prefer the audio because it gives them... It's true enough, I find the same thing. An audio book, actually, I find is interesting because... It goes back to reading a book, right? Where you read a book and your own mind creates the pictures of what you're reading in your mind. And the audiobooks are the next, next best thing to that too. If you have the work to do, you need your hands free to do whatever you're doing and so on. You don't want to sit and stare at a screen all the time as you've other things to do. And so many people are doing that. Um, don't forget, everybody's competing for your time in this day and age. Everybody and a lot of the, the horror shows or terror shows, I call them, that are well-funded fronts, they end up being your mainstream, <laughs> your mainstream alternative, it might be, put it that way. Um, rely on you tuning in every day in case you miss something. This is like a horror movie. I might miss something. that It might save my life if, if I hear the, some vital thing. It's like you're scared to, not to tune in that day. It's, it's all psychology. Because you're always giving your leaders, you know, your heroes and your zeros. It's, that's how you run society. Look at the, again, the, the, the 77th Brigade, as they call it in Britain, you know. The massive psychological warfare department, and they have operatives across the world, you know. Thousands and thousands, and they can, they're all mobilized to attack people using all the, the highest equipment possible and the programs and apps and so on. To, to, and, and, and they get all access to all the back doors and all your devices, which are already pre-existing, they're all built in. And, uh, and they slow down your, your, your speed at whatever way. But they've got all these ways of, of annoying you. And they actually say in their own manuals uh, that the techniques that they've used in Afghanistan and different places all come into use using it now on their own population. This is your brave new world, eh? Of you know, new freedom. <laughs> and you pay for all. You pay for all. Eh? They love. They live on good paychecks. So they live very well, off of you, as as they take away your rights and put you under. You know? Amazing, and folk are going to accept this and just just put up with it. Now I want to touch on some articles here, and this one here is about the New York Bar Association. The law eh? recommends mandatory COVID nineteen vaccine with no exemptions. I'll put that one up there too. And they said in it that um, Mary Beth Morrissey, New York Bar Association Health Law Section Task Force Chair, said in a, a Saturday statement, said in balancing the protection of the public's health and civil liberties, the public health law recognizes that a person's health can and does affect others. She continued, it may become necessary to require that certain individuals or communities be vaccinated, such as healthcare workers and students, to protect the public's health. So, yeah, your health does affect others, it says here, you see. It can and, and so on. Mind you, I think really it's a good idea. What they could do is ban all the massive propaganda you get fed daily 
and the noise it creates is bad for your ears and stuff. That's, that does affect your health and your mental health too, as they terrorize you all the time, eh? Just stop all, stop all the propaganda and all the fear and hype, because that, that is bad for your health, I've no doubt about it. And I'm backed up by the suicide rate going up and so on, and depression, etc. There you go, eh? I'll put that one up anyway. Also, uh, this article here, this next one, goes into Australians could be detained or forced into treatment to prevent the spread of coronavirus. And here's how it says. I'll put this one up as well. And it says, uh, the Attorney General says Australians could be detained or forced to treatment in a last-ditch effort to halt the spread of coronavirus. It's never been done in history, stopping viruses from spreading like that. This to do so would mean activating rarely used Commonwealth laws that were introduced. Now listen to this. To do so would mean activating rarely used Commonwealth laws. You think that must be like a really old law. It was only made up in 2015, probably in preparation for this. <laughs> rarely used, yeah. And it says, who could be detained? The laws are allowing people to be detained or forced to seek treatment are outlined in the Biosecurity Act of 2015. That's just coincidence that was made up now. Allowing the nation's director of biosecurity, who's also the chief medical officer, that's just a coincidence too, to put in place uh, strict control measures. Attorney General Christian Porter said, any orders would have to be, be the most effective and least invasive means of dealing with a situation and be considered justified and reasonable in all the circumstances. Well, define justified and reasonable. I mean, lawyers can play forever with that football field. <laughs> this is how big it is, the spectrum of... Uh, let's just alter this meaning a little bit here. And, you know, very precise, right? Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, this is all getting rammed through, folks. What does a control order mean? It says a person could be hit with a control order, which would include a range of measures, including quarantining at home, wearing protective equipment such as gowns or masks, doesn't say where, undergoing examination by health professionals, giving samples for diagnosis, enforcing vaccinations or other treatments. There you go. Hmm. The... The control order can run for up to three months or be revoked earlier if authorities decide to lift the restrictions. What can be locked down? Specific areas can be locked down or isolated in a bid to control the spread of the virus. I mean, they've already said that you can't really stop it anyway. You know. So there could be the declaration of what are called human health response zones. And that could mean there are specific requirements for screening people going in and out of such a zone, Mr. Porter said. Hmm. So anyway, it's, it's the way it's going. And there's it's, it, it's no point arguing the rights and wrongs of anything because it's, it's written in stone, as I said way, way back, you know. Christmas is still at risk as the sage doctors warn going back to tears, T-I-E-R-S. I guess that's a good song. Remember, was it um, Tears for Fears, was it? Uh, the, the, the group, eh? Uh, now it's going to go back to tears. Uh, I guess it'll be tears for tears, maybe. We'll only reduce COVID cat rates to pre-lockdown levels, it says. 
And at least Brit's Christmas plans hang in the balance while ministers attempt to drive down COVID and fish. The politicians driving down in it and everything they do makes things go up and up and up in the prices, you know, and the costs and so on. The most inefficient people on the planet are politicians, yeah. And it says that a new, new document is released today. It's the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, that's the SAGE group, you see, warns that a, lo- a localized lockdown approach could see transmission rise again. Oh dear. So their gloomy forecast date of November 4th warns if England returns to the same application of the tiering system in place before November the 5th, then transmission will return to the same rate of increases today. Oh, they're really, really worried about it all, aren't they? As I say, they don't mind you. <laughs> you're all going stereo and getting cancers, but because they know what's happening. And here's one, here's another article too. It's a Daily Mail for Australia. It's, it's a global dictatorship. The bizarre 1am email sent to the entire New South Wales police force questioning the state's oppressive coronavirus lockdown. Six-page open letter was addressed to the the New South Wales Police Commissioner, Mick Fuller. It was signed off by Senior Constable Alexander Cooney, a highway patrol officer. He claimed he sought to raise the alarm that a global dictatorship is occurring. And of course it is, you know, it's certainly not a democracy of any kind, you know, so... And the, the big organisations lauding it, you know, how, how they're, they're so happy that the whole agenda for sustainability can get rammed through under COVID. So it's just a disgruntled cop. He's disgruntled, you know, he's not just a man without his opinion. He's a disgruntled person. Uh, he penned a six-pound letter to the, six, to the police commissioner laden with COVID-19 conspiracy theories and sent it to the entire New South Wales police uh, force. He said, so he, 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 he says, uh, it's for the best interest of the people. He says, the document was sent in October 26, five months after New South Wales came out of lockdown. And uh, many members of the force are fed up with the approach to law to enforce oppressive rules. That's right, because the, the cops in Australia have been brutal by order, right, to terrify the public. They, they, they don't mess around in Australia. Members are all a big penal institution there, a big colony there. And uh, that, strangely enough, that you, you must wonder if there's in the genes of the descendants of the forces that, that looked after the prisoners. Is, how come they're just as oppressive on a dime they swing into action and start battering their own people? You know, you wonder what it is. Eh? And you would think of the people themselves being descended. Uh, from from uh, really penal convicts that were sent off for uh, that's how the uh, Britain didn't realize that the laws were changed in the 1700s and in the 1800s to, to, to increase the, the rate of crime by labeling the simplest thing a criminal act even stealing a loaf of bread during terrible times right? of poverty and that's how they how they, how they could Literally, get a whole population into into Australia, uh, and uh, they served their time there, and then they were released, and they couldn't go back home or anything. So you're stuck there. So that's how you colonise a country for for the flag, eh? 
And that was part of what they did there. Restored. But you think people who, who are descended from that and who have it through their old folk songs and, and histories of, of, of the sufferings that they had and the injustices of they had it all, they succumb back down to it and start doing what they're told. And the cops are brutal again. It's just, you, you, you would hope things would change <laughs> when they saw the same kind of uh, monster rear its ugly head, eh? And say no way. You would hope. You really hope that. It's kind of sad to watch the cops going. So anyway, this this cop here is, doesn't like. It. I'm sure lots of cops don't like it too. When they see what they're being told to do to the public, okay? to terrify and terrorize them actually. So he goes through it all there, and um, it says we feel a real calling to do our part to stop the oppression. You know. Well, it's very, very much a conspiracy. Eh? How dare he think that way, for goodness sake. So I'll put that one up as, up there as well. Oh, you're all laugh at Britain too. I mean, again, Britain, eh? the, the, the country that pulled out, or supposedly is trying to still pull out of Brexit right, from the European Union uh, and become free, and has gone around in circles, even, even Theresa May's banging away at... <laughs> At Johnson for his prevarications and his nonsense and so on. This is hundreds of hundreds of UK medics and academics urge Boris Johnson. COVID data is exaggerated and says a second wave talk is misleading. I'll put this article up for those who want to. That's from Zero Hedge. This is their article here. So five hundred medics and academics have penned alert the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson just hours after the US election had been decided, informing him that official COVID data is being exaggerated and the talk of a second wave of COVID is misleading. And uh, the letter was critical of the government's handling of the virus and said that the response to the pandemic has been disproportionate relative to the risk, according to the Daily Mail. And the link for the Daily Mail is here. That, that talks about that too. And I'll put this article up for those that want. Again, people should read through it if you've got time and uh, get an idea of, of what everyone's saying about what's going on here. Because it's important, isn't it, to realize what is being said. You're living, this is your life, you know, you, you don't get to fix it all afterwards. You, you, get, you want to go at everything in, in this world. Huh? And what you do now really matters. Of course it does. In Article 2, dentist Natalia Nairn is jailed for skipping coronavirus quarantine to, to go to work. It says, yeah. it says a Ukrainian dentist Natalia Nairn flew from Canberra to Perth via Sydney. So it's all within in Australia. Instead of 14 days of isolation, because you, you got to isolate yourself. No matter, I think Canada's trying to do the same thing too, if you go outside Ontario. Everything's uniform. You notice that across the world now. Anyway, she treated 41 patients over eight days, and she got jailed for two months with a further five months suspended sentence for treating patients. Didn't mention if she'd even had been tested for anything. I don't think so, or they would have told you that if they'd tested and found that she was positive. So. But that doesn't matter, though. She, she didn't do what she was told, and she got um, jailed for two months. So she said she needed the money and so on, but that's like everybody else who really needs money, right? And she might still have a, a massive loan for education to pay off, I don't know. But regardless, 
you're not allowed to do what you're doing, even if it's for helping people out in dentistry or whatever, you know. Because everything, everything is just out of whack now, isn't it? Really completely out of whack. It doesn't make any difference. Truth doesn't matter, as I said before. So there you go. That's one of many, eh? One of many icons. Bill, Boris Johnson is to meet Bill Gates. This, this Bill Gates, this this superhero Bill Gates, that that literally no one votes for, who's got a finger on the pies because he was created by the big massive agency that runs the world, right? And uh, that's why he's got this power, and no one questions him. So they meet to to plan to, in a national vaccine rollout with pharma giants. It says here. And um, they're going to hold a round table this evening to tackle the coronavirus crisis and discuss future plans to stop the, <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a comedy thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like Batman and Robin. It's, uh, you can see a picture in their little cloaks on. And Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, has set up spearhead research into pandemics and plowed at 118. So I guess, I guess I'm the right to decide their futures, eh? Because he's, 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 he's bought off everything pretty well. And uh, there you go. It's, but again, they're, they're front people, folks. That's why they're allowed to get away with what they do. That's why people who are multi-billionaires can throw money into countries to sink them or, call, or, you know, or do whatever they want inside them and call revolutions and get away with it. It's because they're part of the big intelligence system. And there really is one. So, uh, yeah. I'll put this one up as well. So you feel better now that there's 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 Boris Johnson, <laughs> a guy who loves he. He must get a special haircut to make it look all dishevelled like that. It must cost a fortune. And Bill Gates, eh? This article too is is uh, Daily Mail. Joe Biden, coronavirus advisor, the one he's got, he's putting in. Open, Dr. Zeke Emanuel once argued. And this is your bioethics again and ethics committees that you don't vote for this new science who decides who's going to live and die, who's worth saving, you know. In fact, who's worth keeping. See, this is real socialism. The real socialism was for the multi-billionaires, folks, to run it all. Go back and listen again to that. I don't know if it's still up there. It was a, a little, little, very early uh, video or movie reel of... Bernard Shaw of the Fabian Society, one of the founders of the Fabian Society, saying that when we get in, he says, he says you'll have to come to us and explain why we should keep you alive. You know? That's real socialism. You're getting the picture now. Expert-run society, see? Everybody has to have a purpose to serve. And it's a tiered system up to the ones at the top, you see. Very, the, the, the classless society is, a, is, a, is the most <laughs> class society you've ever imagined. Of, but they just call it experts, you see. Yeah. So there you are, Zeke, Zeke Emanuel, the, the coronavirus advisor for Joe Biden, once said, it's not worth living past 75, despite President-elect being 77, and suggested only younger people who are yet to live a complete life should get a vaccine in a flu pandemic. There you go. There you are. So he's an oncologist. 
He was one of the 10 advisory board members appointed to Joe Biden's coronavirus task force Monday. In 2014, he articulately argued that life was not worth living beyond age of 75. And, and that will reduce and reduce. They all had the one in Australia came out a few years ago, remember the professor. When they all come out at the same time, you know darn well they're part of the same club, eh? And when Australia had said there that uh, folks should just die at 65, you know, rather than collect their money that the state could use and their pensions and all that. Do the right thing, old boy, you know. So Biden, who secured victory over Trump, says in the presidential election is 77, this is the Daily Mail talking, not me. Emmanuel, now 63, wrote that he believes by 75, creativity, originality and productivity are pretty much gone from the vast, vast majority of us. There you go. He suggested that society, as well as family members, would be better off if nature took its course swiftly and promptly. Emmanuel also stated that he would reject simple treatments such as flu shots. He would reject simple treatments. Certainly if there were to be a flu pandemic, a younger person who has yet to live a complete life ought to get the vaccine or any antiviral drugs, he wrote. By the way, that's almost what Obama said when he ran uh, the last time himself. And he gave the, and Obama gave a talk where he said that his grandmother, he went through, she was getting old, and so it was really worth keeping her going and the money was spent on her. This is an agenda, folks. You're getting, you're getting the picture. You're getting the picture. Back to Julian Huxley, UNESCO, where Julian says we, we have to knock people off their pedestal when they think they're the supreme being on the planet, he says. And train them that they're just another animal, basically. And that they themselves, the experts, should rule. This is humanism. This is, they've got different names for the same thing. Because it, the names are all parts of their agenda, you see. So there you are, you know. And I guess there's a whole bunch of experts, too, up, up there. They might be over that age as well, or getting up there. They should maybe just do the same with them. Maybe, maybe they should lead by example, you know. You never really get that happening, though, do you? It's always for you. <laughs> a German doctor's letter to Chancellor Merkel put an end to the COVID fear machine. Well, that's a good way of putting it. But they won't, you see. It's written in stone. It's not going to happen. I think it was Al Gore had an inconvenient truth, and today we have inconvenient facts. They don't matter, you see. And that's where we are with it all. So this article here... As global research, they have the, the signatory, this document that was put out from doctors all around the areas of healthcare who've been serving people in practices and uh, clinics for decades. And during this time of witnessed more than uh, one seasonal infection in German, Germany, most of them with uh, far more severe conditions and significantly more deaths than, uh, than since January 2020 from covid Infectious diseases. Together we serve approximately 70,000 people. These doctors, I'll say here. Now, these doctors, German doctors, say that the circumstances of the coronavirus wave and the FRG have been perceived differently than the media and the ongoing warnings of politics, which were unjustified, in fact, presented to the public for once. Predictions of individual advisory virologists with millions of seriously ill and hundreds of thousands of deaths in Germany have not been true in any way. Right above. Facts don't matter. In fact, if you 
if you were to push that idea, you're going to get banned from Buddhist They've already said you're going to get banned, by the way, for, for, for saying that, you see. doesn't matter if you're a specialist or not, enough. you're actually working in the hospitals, <laughs> it makes no difference. It's a big agenda, much bigger than, than the facts, you see, will allow. It says, in the practices, hardly any infected patients were infected, and if then, with normal, uh, mostly mild progressions, a flu virus. Most of them had the flu virus, you know, in the hospital. The hospitals have been more empty than ever before. There was no overload of ICU doctors and nurses were skillful in short-term work. Initially, we found the wave of the virus running towards us to be threatening, and we were able to understand the infection protection measures. However, there are months of secured evidence and facts that this wave of the virus is only slightly more intense than an ordinary seasonal flu, and must be considered much more harmless than, for example, influenza infection in 2017 or 18, with 27,000 deaths in Germany. According to the data situation, there hasn't been a threat to the German population from COVID-19 for months. So they go on with what they perceive to be their facts and so on. And they're really fed up with the fear and uh, infection hysteria, they say in their own words. A life without restrictions, fear and infection hysteria. That's what they want, it's turned to normal. So, but uh, it won't, it, nothing's going to change this. This is literally chiseled in stone, folks. This is the big agenda by the ones who really run everything. You know, the ones who they own everything in the world, uh, all resources. They all own all the agribusinesses, a few hand, a few corporations. You know, everything you need to survive. The energy they own it all. You know. That's the sad part about the system is that they. They made sure they would own everything. And, and, and again, there's no complaints department, right? That, that's sad indeed. And now, and, and every, every, I think that this crooks, sell out crooks, because they're making so much money off of us as usual. And don't forget, supposedly the tab for, for the money that's going to pay them for all these apps and things is borrowed money, we're told. As we're all locked down, and folk can't earn, eh? But it's going to take money off you for the rest of your lives and probably like three or four generations in the future, the cost of the, all It's never going to go back to any kind of normal anyway. That's, that's just the truth of it. All the dystopian movies that you've seen before have to, have to come into effect. That's why they were written, you know, these, these particular novels and dystopian movies. Do you realize that, that you got no blade of grass? Again, that was one of them paid to, to, to terrify the public. You were destroying the planet and you'd end up in a dystopian future where everything would fall apart and strange um, fungi or viruses would again would break out by themselves and it was Gaia would have its revenge and and you have mayhem, etc. Uh, make room, make room was the was the novel for Soylent Green. It was called Make Room, Make Room. That was the original title eh, of the novel. Too many, the message was to, was to be there's too many of you. This is what's going to come down to. It was to change again. Fiction is used primarily to change your thoughts and things on behalf of your masters. And here you have these characters now making money off of you for your, your for the phones that you buy. 
and and uh, the the plans that you're on for paying for them as well. And um, there's apps now for everything. Eh? Smartphone app can hear cough and, and the difference between asthma or croup. It says, well, can it really? When you really read it, it's not quite sure. But everybody's got that thing. Oh, we can get money for nothing now. Money for nothing. Eh? I think it was the communism, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Communism said that the that the West, the capitalists, will will sell us the rope, which 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 will will hang them. And you sort of apply that to say, you know, as as they borrow, as your governments borrow money, well, Hoover's governments yeah, borrow money, <laughs> that you have to pay off, you know. And they're dished out by the millions and billions to their pals and businesses that own the apps and so on. And here they go, eh? until we're totally in a straitjacket of no rights and freedoms in an electronic prison, eh? just to get a profit off of it all. Here, I'll put that there. So anyway, that's from the Medical Journal Respiratory Research, this article. I'm sure you've got to know that an app might detect it, you know. <laughs> the European Union mulls ways for police to access encrypted apps. It's almost like a, a repetition of something I read a few months ago. I knew that the EU, European Council, is, you know, is asking for input to make it easier because the security forces can't get through some of the encrypted data. They want to make it easier. Well, they can if they put more time or... Or psyop warriors on it, you know, and because these warriors are are really specialists and not just in, in how to screw with your brain and help you destroy yourself actually, or immobilize you, but they're also a lot more specialists, uh, complete in IT itself and hacking and all that. And the European Union is calling on tech companies to make it easier for the company, the security companies, to access the encrypted apps to meet terror terror threats. You understand. So so I do with terror threats. Hmm? And it says, um, according to a leaked draft on a European Council memo, EU politicians with want encrypted apps to provide technical solutions to enable authorities to use their investigative powers. And uh, this article here is um, The Telegraph, I think it was from. But anyway, it goes into the how it's just a, a nuisance that they can't get into everything you're sending to people and, and your personal chat and all that. It's just a nuisance because your masters they got to keep you safe, you know, from terror. You might wake up one day and be a terror. You might have a, a terrorist thought. You might say, "Damn it! I wonder why the government would go off my back." And that's enough to get you locked up right there. You see, just like. You find in the Ministry of Love when Winston is brought in, is pulled in there, and he meets his neighbour, and the neighbour says, "He says, oh, you're here too." He says to the neighbour, "He says," and his neighbour says, "Yeah." He says, "It was it was my daughter that found out I was you know wrong thinking, own thinking, and it basically um, a terrorist thoughts, you see, because he he spoke in his sleep according to the daughter, and so she turned him in." You know, and she says, thank God she did, he says, who knows where we might have ended up if she hadn't got caught me. Well, here you are, folks, it's all here. They're going to, 
they literally want to, to know everything you're saying and chatting about every darn thing because it's to keep you all safe. You might, you might, but it's to stop terror. So obviously, since it's all to do with you, you must be the terrorist. Obviously, oh, it makes sense now, eh? Yeah. And it says, well, EU politicians stop short of advocating a ban or full backdoors that could hack into encrypted apps. The latest resolution will pile pressure on technology companies to stop adding end-to-end encryption to their apps. Says the, <laughs> the work of police forces has been made practically impossible, despite the fact that the, the access to such data would be lawful by encrypted apps. The European Council didn't, didn't respond to requests for comment. They want, they want a better balance between encryption and security against crime and terror. <sighs> you know, did you, I never realized, I really didn't, that there's thousands and thousands, and th- it's just like Dr. Kildare, you know. Dr. Kildare, every woman would swoon at him, you see. At the very least, <clears throat> and, and he was made to be like a god that cared so much, and, and he was a good-looking guy apparently, and, and the woman just went gaga, yeah. And 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 he represented so many of them that didn't sleep at night because they worried about you. They really worried about you. Hmm? Such humane characters, caring people. And with this COVID stuff and, and everything that's going on, uh, you realize that governments, they must be up all night, every night of the week, all these bureaucrats and civil servants and pod worrying about us. Are we safe? Are we safe? Do we have enough cotton wool to wrap ourselves in in case we fall? Do we have enough distractions so, so we don't have time to think things which are bad, th- own think, eh? Which is bad think, is own think. Which might lead to goodness knows where if you have your own think, my, oh, thinking for yourself, eh? <gasps> wow. So the police are worried, you know, that the, the terrorist things can go on if they can't hack into everybody's chit chat. Thank goodness I've never felt so safe in my life I can see when I'm online What they've been doing Because my my connection will just break, 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 break At times, you know And they have to reconnect and so on You know they're into it And and they actually actually admit they're doing that And some of the articles I'll get to later, by the way So there you go These folk just care about you You didn't know they cared that much You used to think that Paul Politicians are shallow, psychopathic people, and how wrong you are. Uh, interesting, this little article here, and it's Larry Sentinel. Polish nationalists right, are fired upon by police citing COVID-19 ban. This is an excuse for it. Where, where, when ab- abortion marches are allowed, right? Now, this was their national day in Poland, where they literally got a lot of their independence back again uh, after World War I. So this is their, their kind of remembrance-type day, you know. 
So police shot rubber bullets at the Polish nationalists marching through Warsaw in celebration of the country's independence day yesterday. The Vanskames police attempt to enforce a ban on public gatherings as part of the nationwide COVID-19 restrictions, despite allowing pro-abortion demonstrators to gather throughout the country over the last three weeks. Well, it's the same in the States with the, with the demonstrations and the riots as well, etc., as you know. So it's, it's very political virus, as I say. And, and it should tell you to never, to never forget what they, what they can turn the police to do. Never forget that. The stuff that you used to read about the Stasi and uh, the KGB, and then KVD, you know, and the Soviet countries. Uh, literally, you're seeing it all being implemented. You, you really are. And you've seen the police behave the same way as I've always done, uh, even with invading countries. When, when they come in into Europe in World War II, they'd immediately go to work for the, for the invading power. It's the same. This is what they do, so... So here they are. Yeah, everything else is allowed, but but being proud of your nation and celebrating about happiness during all this time is is forbidden. There you go. So several officers were injured after being attacked by hooligans. The police said. Well, if they hadn't started, uh, if they just stood back and let them have their their day, like they've allowed everybody else to have their day, then so what, you know. Same thing's happening in Australia. Certain folk are allowed to have their, their big, big demonstrations, but nobody else. You're under tyranny, obviously. It certainly isn't democracy, where you have rights for all, eh? supposedly, at least on paper. And uh, I'll also put up the link to George Soros, so you can read what he says himself about uh, how disappointed he is and what had been happening with populism as he calls it. And the National Health Service in Britain told me it ready to give coronavirus vaccine from December with army help. There you go. So Matt Hancock, the guy that literally didn't know that mosquitoes transmitted malaria and they put in charge of the health for Britain. I guess he's writing for the job, eh? Uh, so here he is. Uh, he's ready. The armed forces ready within three weeks. It says this is though a vaccine hasn't actually passed regulator approval yet. Whether they want to fast track everything, as you know. And, and there you go. Now what's next here? We've got some. This is important. U.S. U.K. intelligence agencies declare cyber war on independent media. So the British-American uh, state intelligence agencies are weaponizing truth, that's the quote there, to quash vaccine hesitancy, as called, eh? as both nations prepare for mass inoculations in a recently announced cyber war to be commanded by artificial intelligence-powered arbiters of truth against information sources that challenge official narratives. And that's uh, put up by Whitney Webb. I've got quite a few here by, from different people and different sources and the mainstream, you know. 
So this is just the past week, the national security states, the US and UK have discreetly let it be known. And they did. Obviously, see, everything happens at the same time. It's, that means it's released to be, to be spoken about. <laughs> uh, it's a fact, too, because don't forget part of cyber warfare or psyops is to terrify you into just complying before they do anything more to you. That's you know, how it works. So cyber tools and online tactics previously designed for use in the post-9-11 war on terror are now being repurposed for use against information sources promoting vaccine hesitancy and information related to COVID-19 that runs counter to their state narratives. Now, everything is psychological warfare, including the terminology that's used. You see that it's deliberately they put out vaccine hesitancy as opposed to vaccine uh, or anti-vaccine, you know, or, or vaccine denial, or, or vaccine choice, see? So they call it vaccine hesitancy, which means you're going to get it anyway. You're just hesitating a bit. They're not giving you an option not to, you see? This is all deliberate. So a new cyber offensive was launched Monday by the UK Signal Intelligence Agency, uh, Government Communication Headquarters, GCHQ, which seeks to target websites that publish content deemed to be propaganda, that raises concerns regarding state-sponsored COVID-19 vaccine development and the multinational pharmaceutical companies or corporations involved. <laughs> it's not fascism, folks, no. <laughs> Similar efforts are underway in the U.S. with the U.S. military recently funding a CIA-backed firm stuffed with former counterterrorism officials who are behind the occupation of Iraq and the rise of the so-called Islamic State to develop an artificial intelligence algorithm aimed specifically at new websites promoting suspected disinformation related to the COVID-19 crisis and the U.S. military-led COVID-19 vaccination effort known as Operation Warp Speed. Where's Captain Kirk when you want warp speed, eh? And it says both uh, countries are preparing to silence independent journalists who raise legitimate concerns over pharmaceutical industry corruption, or the extreme secrets surrounding state-sponsored COVID-19 vaccination efforts, and so on. And uh, it, goes, it continues, too, with some of the history of some of the drug companies and what they've been up to. But, yeah, you're, you're, it's a bad times when your country is using the, the, the systems they set up supposedly to attack other nations, <laughs> and they're doing it to your own, their own people. This is a dangerous thing. When your tax money is being used... For, for psyops on their own people. This isn't just um, the ability to use propaganda on your people, like they did again when Obama was in, I think. Uh, they, they allowed, they passed a law in the States to allow their government and the agencies that work for the government to start using propaganda on their own people internally. That was the start of it, really. And... Uh, most countries do it anyway because we didn't have the rights that the U.S. used to have. But um, here you go when they're using weaponized organizations with very, very effective, efficient weaponization of the thought and, and techniques to disrupt thought, to create opinion, to destroy opinion, to destroy the, the people themselves. By And they have killed a lot of people through encouraging suicide and things like that. That psyops used in other countries is very effective. They know exactly what they're doing. You're, you're not, these aren't, little, these, these aren't little, little, little clubs. These are massive organizations with massive funding. With the tops, again, CIA. It's typical 
um, techniques of, of alternate types of warfare, where, they, where literally they've got CIA operatives of, who are psychologists and psychiatrists and behaviorists and neuroscientists and doc, even doctors and so on. Yeah, all through it, they admit that in their own documentation, right? When you go into them. So anyway, um, this all came out again in the last week or so. What's what's going on here with with this kind of thing too? Um, and the public have no idea, really. But the public are quite safe. I have to tell you, it's very much like what they used to say about about evil, you know. And they would say that that. People who literally are ignorant of religion or don't care about it, right? Satan will leave alone. That was that's what they used to say, you know, a little quip, because uh, they belong to him anyway. You see, well, it's the same thing here. People who are ignorant of what's going on and they're obedient, nicely good little nice citizens, having got a, they'll be left alone by the psyops because they're just looking at pornography, probably. And, and little bits and pieces of things that excite them or keep them happy, and but nothing to do with anything that really mattered. Certainly not a, a choice to stand up for anything, you know. So they're quite safe to be left alone. And it's only for people who are thinking and who are asking questions like, what on earth is going on with our, uh, our elected representatives and our democratic rights, etc.? Uh, for for countries to think they had some kind of democracy, including the republic, because the republic really was a democratic republic. It still had the rights to vote, for instance. That was a, a democratic a democratic right. Democracy really doesn't have any real hard and hard and fixed rules as to what democracy really is, except to, to vote. You get the right to vote. That's it. What they do once they're in is kind of up to them. Canadian military wants to establish new organization to use propaganda and other techniques to influence Canadians. Why is the military going to use propaganda to influence Canadians? They're supposed to serve Canadians, not propagandize them. The Canadian Forces wants to establish a new organization that will use propaganda and other techniques to try to influence the attitudes, beliefs and behavior of Canadians according to documents obtained by this newspaper. And the plan comes in the heels of the Canadian forces spending more than $1 million to train public affairs officers on behaviour modification techniques of the same sort used by the parent firm of Cambridge Analytica, as well as a controversial and bizarre propaganda training mission in which the military forged letters from the Nova Scotia government to warn the public that wolves were wandering in the province. It was a little exercise with the department, as far as we can make out. But this article is from the Ottawa Citizen. And it says, The new Defence Strategic Communications Group will advance national interests. It's going to advance national interests by using defence activities to influence the attitudes, beliefs and behaviours of audiences, according to documented dated October 2020. Target audiences for such an initiative would be the Canadian public, as well as foreign populations and countries where military forces are sent. There you go. Dangerous times when they're doing that to the public, folks. This is a dangerous thing to do, the crossover with military doing that. This isn't putting the sandbags up to stop flooding, you know. Working on techniques of brainwashing 
uh, for destructive purposes. That's what these organizations do. They don't go in there just to say, let's, let's make them a bit more left-wing, you know. No, they, they, they'll look up, up leaders in different groups and so on. And, and literally, they'll have thousands of folk hammering them, say, pretending they're real citizens, like, like bots, you know, and, and make them feel bad about themselves and things like that. They're, they're, this, these are dangerous organizations. Eh? They're, they're part of the military war machine. And now the war is on the public. Huh? Mm -mm -mm. This is a document that's in a draft form, but work is already underway on some aspects of the plan. I know they've been using it already, and some techniques have already been tested on the Canadian public. So there you go. But the Office of Defence Minister Harjit Sargent says Sunday, the plan, at least for now, is not authorised to proceed. It's been proceeding. They did it. <laughs> Already, Sargent has raised concerns about some of the activities related to such influence and propaganda operations. No such plan has been approved, nor will it be, but they'll probably keep it secret. Uh, Florian Bonneville, Sargent's press, <laughs> press secretary, <laughs> everybody's got a PR spokesman to soften the things, eh? or obfuscate what they're trying to say, said after being asked by this newspaper about the initiative, but a series of town halls were already conducted last week for a number of military personnel on the strategies contained in the draft plan. The report quotes Brigadier General J. Jansen, Director General of Military Public Affairs, who stated the motto, Who Dares Wins, that's from the SES. Yeah. Uh, it's as applicable to the strategic communication as it is to warfare. I think you should remind them too, it says we are the pilgrims, you know, masters, we shall go, it's supposed to be over, over the land and sea and water and so on, not in your own country, you know, you should just, just put out the rest of it out there. The initiative also proposes the creation of a new research capability established to analyse and collect information from the social media accounts of Canadians. There you go. Well, this is a war machine looking at you like they would look at people in different countries that they're going to go in and demolish. And non-governmental organizations, industry, and the news media, according to the report. But this is with the sanction of your own government. And you're going to vote for this government? Hmm? The Canadian forces have already tested their capability earlier this year. This newspaper reported that a team assigned to Canadian military intelligence unit monitored and collected information from people's social media accounts in Ontario, claiming such data mining was needed to help troops who are to work in long-term care homes. <laughs> you just put a psyop warfare team in to see how the public would look upon them going in and helping long-term care homes. Eh? That's what it was all for, you see. Taking all your, all your personal details and stuff and getting into all your computers. Just, uh, the lies you give. But that's what psyops machines do. They're liars, folks. <laughs> The initiative aimed at people's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts involved collecting comments made by the public about the provincial government's failure to take care of the elderly. Why were they using them for that? That data was then turned over to the Ontario government with a warning from the team. It represented a negative reaction from the public. Military officers see nothing. Do you realize, did they also hand over the names of, of people who would complain about the government, what they were saying? You see, if it was a step forward, next 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 step in totality is round those folk up because of their points of view, and then they disappear or go into camps and gulags. Eh? I'm not kidding you, folks. That's where you don't put the military into these organisations on the public. Don't set them loose on the public. I don't care what branch it is. You can't do that. 
They're the military. It's a war machine. Understand? That's what its purpose is. So military officers see nothing wrong with such collection of data as it's already in the public domain on social media accounts. They can, they can see, there you go, there's, like, there's your justification, rationalization, as it goes forward step by step. That's exactly how they do it. They concede the team should not have been assigned to military intelligence, but under the new plan, it would be controlled by the military's public affairs branch. There you go. But others have questioned how collecting information on the public's views concerning Ontario public Doug Ford was even relevant to how Canadian forces were to care for elderly residents. Exactly. But they're telling you is lies, folks. They're doing other for other purposes, obviously, you know. But if they're handing folks' names over and what they're using, and that's a dangerous, dangerous. This is where horror comes down the pike. It really does. This is stuff that that souls and eats and warned you off. This this kind of behaviour. Hmm. So Saijun requested an investigation be done into the data collection and also and has also limited at least temporarily some of what the military calls influence activities. Why has the military got any influence activities on its population? The military have noted in the plan that it will consult the federal federal <laughs> that's okay then. See here's again the stuff how they rationalize it. It'll consult the federal Privacy Commissioner before it launches its collection of Canadians' online information. <laughs> well, we'll talk to this this commissioner who has no powers apart in the commissioner. The Public Affairs Enhancement Plan. Oh, I like the term for that. Public Affairs Enhancement Plan reflects the military's leadership's view they can shape and direct the attitudes of Canadians if the right techniques are applied. Oh, it's an enhancement. It's not brainwashing. It's an enhancement. Defence Stratcom will focus on effects and outcomes among key audiences and will provide clear direction on aligning actions, efforts and resources in pursuit of strategic objectives, the plan added. But I wonder if they'll tell us what the plan, what the objectives are, though, will they? Some of the Canadian forces already attempted to conduct a trial run on, of such techniques. It says in, in July, the military had planned a propaganda campaign aimed, aimed at heading off civil disobedience by Canadians during the coronavirus pandemic. The military was getting put on. It's not just the police, it's the military, right? That campaign was to use similar propaganda tactics to those employed against the Afghan population during the war in Afghanistan, including loudspeaker trucks to transmit government messages. The propaganda operation was halted after concerns were raised about the ethics behind such techniques. Well, I wonder who would object to that, for goodness sake, eh? The Public Affairs Enhancement Plan also calls for harnessing the social media accounts of select Canadian Forces staff to push out pre-approved government and military messages to the public. Although the social media activity would be seen to be coming from the personal accounts of the military personnel, it would actually be Canadian Forces Public Affairs officers behind the scenes crafting and coordinating the messages. In other words, you've already got your strata of lies and liars already in place doing their usual stuff, eh? This is what they do. This is what they're training to do. The enhancement plan also calls for improving links to military-friendly academics. Actually, they're all on board with CSIS in Canada, which is like a, a kind of branch of the CIA, really set up by, uh, I think it was Pierre Trudeau that got that one put in, a kind of private 
intelligence agency throughout the Canada that's very secretive. Anyway, um, military-friendly academics, and they have a lot of professors involved, by the way, and retired senior military staff so they can be used to push out approved Canadian forces messages either on social media or on their interactions with journalists or in their interactions. Sajjan had originally approved the Weaponization of Public Affairs Initiative started in 2015 along with a separate but significant expansion of military propaganda capabilities for various units. The Liberals outlined in their 2017 defence strategy policy the need for the Canadian military to become more involved in propaganda and information warfare. Well, we all thought it was going to be for abroad, though. But attempts to influence the public haven't always worked out. Last year, Department of National Defence and Canadian Forces planned a public relations campaign to counter what bureaucrats and officers believe were false claims, that the military had a problem with racists in their ranks. But that plan had to be scuttled after alleged racists and far-right sympathisers with links to military became involved in a series of high-profile incidents, undercutting the messages of the PR scheme that the, the severity of the issue had been exaggerated. They, they, they got everybody out of each other's throats, you know, that. They can stop thinking. That's what they do. Psyops get everybody. They get tribes fighting each other too, folks, across the, across the world. That's just what you do, you know. And they're using it on the public. And the folk will read these articles, they'll, my God, look at these racists, and so on. They don't realize that, no, the government's creating it all. <laughs> As part of the PR effort, dossiers were created about journalists the military believed would cover the issue of racists in their ranks. You see, see they've got their own uh, embedded journalists. It's not just, a, they have them permanently in their own countries. That's why you've got a unified media across Canada and the States. It's all the same stories, same points of view, same everything. CIA, you know. So it says, including the CBCs, that's the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Murray Brewster, the dossier about Brewster, who has since broken a number of stories about the far right and the Canadian forces, contained transcripts of his interviews with senior military staff and the warning. He's familiar with the defence system and his reporting. While factual often emphasises the mistakes and shortcomings of the Department of National Defence and the CEF. Bonneville said the ministers did not and will not authorise the creation of the dossiers on journalists. She did not, however, provide an explanation on why the files were created by Canadian Forces staff. In addition, under Sajjan's watch, an invitation-only Facebook page had been created where serving and retired military DND public affairs staff share information about journalists. There you go, see? (laughs) The first folk that you round up uh, in totalitarian system are, are any journalists that are not on board with it. That's what, you, what they do, eh? That's exactly what they do. Yeah. Under Sajjan's watch, or Sajjan's watch, an invitation-only Facebook page has been created while serving and retired military and DND public affairs staff share information about journalists. There are more than 400 participants on the Facebook page, which is officially supported by the DND. That's just one article from the Ottawa Citizen. And I tell you, they won't be even pleased with that article. They're not supposed to, you're, not, you're supposed to be dumb and ignorant, you know. And he's one of the propaganda, uh, it's thought to be one of the propaganda um, exercises they did 
again by the same journalist for the, for the Ottawa Citizen. It says, forged letter warning about wolves on the loose part of Canadian forces propaganda campaign that went awry. And um, a letter from Nova Scotia government sent out to residents to warn about a pack of wolves on the loose in the province was forged by Canadian military personnel as part of a propaganda training mission that went off the rails. The letter told residents to be wary of wolves that had been reintroduced into the area by the provincial and federal governments and warned that animals were now roaming the, the Annapolis Valley. The letter, which later became public, sparked concern and questions about residents, about, but was later branded as fake news or fake by the Nova Scotia government, which didn't know the military was behind the deception. <laughs> I tell ya, huh? uh, oh, what a wicked web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Uh, there you go. Eh? <clears throat> so there you go. Uh, <laughs> so the training also involve involve using a loudspeaker. No kidding. Listen, listen to this. You, you almost think this is fake news, but this is what they put. This is what they put out too. Psyops is is astonishing. We read the things I've done in the past. And where they've made people believe and so on. And part of it's a terror campaign. If you make, they, they do selective areas where they'll terrify the public. But like stories with this, all oh, ravenous wolves and stuff. Uh, to see how you react and they'll study you, see. That's your tax money at work. The training also involves using a loudspeaker to generate wolf sounds. The Canadian forces confirmed to this. I think what they're really doing as having a really intelligent wolf tell the rest of the wolves, when you hear these sounds, ignore them. It's just, they're just playing not in the dumb humans, you know. So the fake letter was part of new skills being tested by the military as it hones its expertise. This is training the people, the, the, the recruits and stuff. Let's, let's use the public, the idiots, you know, the idiot public for the, you know, just to perfect their techniques of deception and manipulation, you know? So it says, for launching propaganda missions at home and abroad, the letter was developed by information warfare specialists with the Halifax Rifles, a reserve unit. They not only forged the logo of the Wildlife Division of Nova Scotia's Department of Lands and Forestry, but they also attributed the letter to a real Nova Scotia government employee, even though they didn't have permission to do so. You see how they could really get folk even attacking each other or doing worse? Eh? This is what they do in abroad, you know. They, 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 they can get tribal leaders so riled up against each other that that in order to, to have them knock each other off, you know, eliminate them. That's how they do it. So a phone number on the letter, which represents where to call if they had concerns about the wolves, was traced by this newspaper to the work number of an Environment Canada employee who also appears to be a Canadian Forces reservist. The Canadian Forces revealed its role behind the fake letter last week to the Nova Scotia government and then on the weekend to local news media. Media outlets reported military staff had written the letter but didn't know why. Emma Bryant, a professor at Bard College in the US who specializes in researching military propaganda, said what the Canadian Forces did was a major violation of ethics. This is way over the top, Bryant said. It's a very dangerous path when you start targeting your own public with false information and trying to manipulate them. Well, this, the, the government's now allowed them to do it now, according to the other articles. Bryant said the deception has nothing to do with wolves. It was likely an exercise in the testing and testing the military's skills and trying to manipulate the population with false information. You start a rumor about wolves on the loose, and then you see how the public reacts, she added.
And they've got, see, they've got access too to all your chit chat on, to, in real time. That's how they do it, eh? They, they actually get access to, to internet and everything. Uh, they literally bypass, they go all the back doors into all your devices. Similar, decep- similar deception operations were tried by contractors, and this is this organization that's now part of the U.S. <laughs> contract to the U.S. military, SCL, right? A propaganda, a propaganda company which had worked for the U.S. and British militaries in Afghanistan and other locations in Asia. In those cases, false information was transmitted to villagers to convince them not to send their children to religious schools where they might be radicalized. But instead of being truthful, the contractors concocted an information campaign claiming pedophiles were operating in religious schools and parents shouldn't send them there because their children would be in danger of being molested. And the, the world is a very deceptive place. And that's what you have no idea of how many, how, uh, I call it the manpower, if you like, those men, women are just, uh, it's just made them quite happy to do this kind of work too. And uh, the psychopathic personalities uh, flourish in this kind of society, you know. Uh, so it's like the lives of others, you know, a movie. And uh, it says, too, the Nova Scotia propaganda training comes as the Canadian forces spools up its capability to conduct information warfare, influence operations, and other deception missions aimed at populations overseas and, if necessary, the Canadian public. And that part, so it says, came from um, the letters and was an age of propaganda training. But Hillier said he didn't know why the loudspeaker was set, blah, blah, blah. So it's, I guess, um, it's been, anyway, it's been okayed by, it's not okayed by senior leaders. It's already passed in the box and they can't find a senior leader that approved. This is deception, you know. But anyway, the Nova Scotia propaganda training comes, as I've said already, as the Canadian forces spools up its capability to conduct information warfare and influence operations and other deception missions aimed at populations overseas and, if necessary, the Canadian public. Bryant revealed Monday the Canadian forces spent more than $1 million in training as public affairs officers and skills to influence targeted populations. There's a lot more money being given to them just for domestic purposes, actually. In July, this newspaper reported a team assigned to a Canadian military intelligence unit monitored and collected information from people's social media accounts in Ontario, claiming such data mining was needed to help troops working in long-term care homes during the coronavirus pandemic. Collection involved comments made by the public about the provincial government's failure in taking care of the elderly in the province. The data was turned over to Ontario's government with a a warning from the team that represented a negative reaction from the public. Newspaper report at the same time the Canadian forces planned a propaganda campaign aimed at heading off civil disobedience by Canadians during the coronavirus pandemic. The plan used similar propaganda tactics to those employed against the Afghan population during the war in Afghanistan, including loudspeaker trucks to transmit government messages. The propaganda operation was never put into action, so they say. And in addition, some Canadian military officers have suggested creating fake Facebook and other social media accounts for carrying out deception operations as well as harnessing social media accounts of Canadian forces, members, military-friendly academics and retired senior military staff to challenge opposition politicians and journalists who raise controversial issues regarding the Canadian forces. I love how they always justify it when they've, when they've, 
when they're, when they're stepping forward in places where they should be moving. So the Canadian forces stress that it's, it follows ethical guidelines and it's propaganda questions, operations. But others inside the military say that this isn't the case point. The Nova Scotia operation is a prime example as it violated Canadian privacy law and the criminal code when soldiers forged documents. What Canadian privacy law? The, the, remember two articles ago I mentioned that they, they'd already approached the privacy officer for, for Canada with this, this, this member of parliament. That's all he does, I suppose. It's no real power to do anything to seek approval to do more on the public. I mean, isn't that amazing? So the fake Wolf letter, Wolf letter was dated September 19, two days after Chief of Defence Staff General John Vance met with senior military leaders to explain the value of ethical decision-making and the importance of maintaining the credibility of the CEF, Canadian Armed Forces, by being honest and transparent in everything we do. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. You understand, though. You see, in the military... And these kind of operations in, the, in these particular sections and, and areas, they're given a complete free hand to do whatever they want on, on, on the public of different nations that, that they're targeted. And they're completely callous about it. And the youngsters see it like this, like wargaming everything. It's fun to them. Uh, see who they can manipulate and, and get to kill each other and how we destroy different sections that are standing up against whatever it is. And how we destroy and annihilate different different um, movements that get up, even movements, especially movements that get that rise up, e- even peaceably uh, and politically, and try and get committees formed to get foreign troops out of their countries. You know, they'll, they'll go to. They'll, it doesn't matter what they do to them. They'll, they'll do whatever you could to destroy them, and, and that's what that's what happens here, folks. They'll threaten that their families. They'll, they'll they'll select one of their wives and about and, and pull them aside sometimes and give them a little warning, you know, about their children. This is just, this is a dirty, dirty trick squad you know, of all kinds. You wouldn't believe it, and they should not be operating inside your own country. Should not be. No way. Now we touch on Justin Trudeau, who carries on in his father's footsteps of. Being a global citizen, a citizen of the world, as Pierre used to talk about it too. And uh, this article says, um, it's from the Global Citizens Organization. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau committed $400 million for global initiatives tackling COVID-19 at the United Nations event on Tuesday morning. And the high-level event on financing the 2030 Agenda, that Sustainable Development and Agenda for the 21st Century, 2030s, is part of it. It's segmented up into 15-year periods of things that have to be fulfilled within each 15 years. But I always suggest that folk read the whole thing, Agenda 21. Anyway, financing the 20th agenda for sustainable development, again, that was all down to um, the climate change thing, another excuse for it. In the era of COVID-19 and beyond was co-hosted by Trudeau, UN Secretary General uh, Antonio Guterres and Jamaican Prime Minister Andrew Holness. The meeting sought to bring together heads of state, government officials, representatives of international organisations, you know, the folk who just spend your money, the private sector and civil society to discuss how to recover from a COVID-19 crisis and work towards achieving the United Nations global goals. Well, I don't think they asked the general citizenry, it's always selected people 
that say yes to everything that they ask into these, these, these meetings. The new international development funding will be used for trusted partners, again, trusted partners, eh? working to address COVID-19 on the ground, helping with the pandemic recovery and developing countries. And it's, it's, a, it's a public relations exercise, even the article. Canada believes that a strong, coordinated response across the world, across sectors, are as, as essential. The pandemic has provided, provided an opportunity for a reset Trudeau said, that's the, that's the great reset for the World Economic Forum. So it's an opportunity, this, this, this COVID thing, uh, and it's given us an opportunity for a reset in the whole agenda for a new way of living, <laughs> which is something you've got to read for the, from the World Economic Forum site itself. Uh, Trudeau said during the video conference, this is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts, to reimagine, see that's the term they're all using, reimagining this and reimagining economic systems, reimagining living, wellness, uh, education, it's all reimagining here, that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality and climate change. They really care about you all, you know. And uh, so anyway, I'll put this article up for the from the Global Citizens Web, website and uh, see what you think and so but again it's what you expect isn't it they're all on board with it. and we said this months and months ago that this was really an excuse to push the whole agenda right through to crash at the, the world economy completely crash it as you would have in a, a true world war as well never had it crashed economies even in world wars you know they never got this far and so quick and efficient because they terrified the public with a unified, again, unification, a unified campaign of terror on the public. And here you go with the new way of living that was drafted up by the United Nations characters, uh, along with the World Economic Forum and the World Bank and all the usual people who run your whole lives, the 1% at the very, very top, naturally, who, who really have sleepless nights worrying about you. And uh, they want to help you. You know, just something that they do. That's why they spend so much money in creating world government organizations that you don't elect and uh, and uniting nations to get like like the, the EU and things like that. And, and they, they just want to take care of you, you know, help you. Selfless people there. And, of course, at the very, very top, you simply have the eugenicists and... Uh, megalomaniacs, psychopaths, that have acquired the world's wealth in their hands, the few 1%, everything you need to live on. And they've decided they really don't need so many of you anymore. They keep telling us that as they they want to help you, you know. What what would you do without such selfless people? I don't know. I'm also going to um, put up... um, National Vital Statistics System, I'll put that up too. It's a new ICD code introduced for COVID-19 deaths, it says here. And uh, I'll put that one up as well, maybe. It's Stephen Schwartz, PhD, Director of the Division of Vital Statistics, National Center for Health Statistics in Maryland, it says here. And also, firms, firms will be banned from advertising junk food. So you think, this is, is this fake news or what, or is it real, huh? But it's um, it's in the Sun, the newspaper, the Sun in Britain. But firms will be banned from advertising junk foods like sausages, rolls, and I, I also saw that too, maybe another paper, uh, and fish fingers online under the new plan. See, it isn't just austerity. You're going to be trained how to eat healthily and eat very little. 
so they can't advertise sausage rolls and fish fingers and so on. So it comes days after children were effectively banned from playing sports during lockdown. <laughs> it says campaigners warned that even spreads such as marmite and mustard could be hit by the ban. There you go. And uh, no more fish and chips, no more Cadbury's chocolate, no more pork pies and Stilton, it says. And says, far from new restrictions, British retailers and consumers need new freedoms, and the government needs to reject insanity after a suggestion that threatens to ruin the recovery after this pandemic ends. Well, good luck if you think it's ending. This part is to be about two or three times more severe than, than the little warming-up exercise they gave you up into March, you know, March and April. Elon Musk, of course you probably read that too, continues to cast doubt about the bogus COVID-19 test results, it says. He has his own words. And um, it says here that uh, he sowed doubts about the accuracy of coronavirus tests Friday, just hours after tweeting that he took four rapid tests with conflicting results. All from the same, using the same nurse in the same time. It says the Tesla boss and rich, uh, fifth richest man in the world, again, front had initially tweeted Thursday night that something extremely bogus is going on regarding COVID-19 testing. Two tests came back negative, two came back positive. Same machine, same test, same nurse. There you go. I guess on the same day. And the media allies quickly jumped on Musk's tweets with stories highlighting his positive diagnosis, provoking the prickly tech entrepreneur to protest. Technically, I tested positive, then negative twice, then positive again. So Elon Musk test negative for COVID-19, or COVID is an equally correct title, he tweeted. And he said apparently the only thing that he had was a slight sniffle, like a cold, a common cold. And, uh, and mind you, too, a common cold is also COVID and part of the COVID family. Um, but there you go, he's, he's not happy at all. So we've got another test, uh, a different kind of test sent off there to see if that's going to come back as. <laughs> but this is quite normal when you see these, these tests. Eh? Another, another uh, I'm going to put a YouTube up too. By, I think it's put out by the World Economic Forum. And um, this article here is by Countercurrents. It says, Own nothing and be happy. Being human in 2030. And it says, World Economic Forum at their annual meeting at the end of January in Davos, Switzerland, brings together international business and political leaders, economists and so on, and Klaus Schwab, of course, actually, the, the, one of the founders. And it says, uh, who they, who's also in for the Great uh, Reset, eh? And it says, Great Reset entails tra- a transformation of society resulting in permanent restrictions on fundamental liberties, and mass surveillance as entire sectors are sacrificed to boost the monopoly and hegemony of pharmaceutical corporations, high-tech big data giants, Amazon, Google, major global chains, the digital payment sector, biotech concerns, etc. And it talks about using the COVID-19 lockdowns and so on and so on. But yeah, you, you'll see a little, I'll put on YouTube up as well, we'll actually go through this little wonderful thing that you'll own nothing but you'll be happy. And that's one of the slogans from the WEF, World Economic Forum, 
that by 2030 you'll own nothing and be happy. They, they've decided how you're going to live. And you're going to be. Remember, I talked about it too. I went through the whole the t- terminology of the psychological warfare program called the wellness wellness program. And I thought, what's wrong with wellness? Because you, you've already adapted to it. Well, we're wellness, you know. And I used to give talks. Twenty. I said, look, do you ever? The folk ever said to you, how's your wellness today? No, no. What is this? Oh, how's your health? Yeah. And, but yeah, yeah, they say that. Well, now it's how's your wellness, yeah. And this wellness idea was to eventually get you trained step by little step, short step, short step, all the way into now, into, well, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy by 2030. Because, you see, and I even give the talks about it. I don't, they'll even give you drugs and things to make you feel happy. You could be shoveling manure out, out of a buyer. And, uh, and you might think you're on the, on the surface of the moon watching the stars or something and, uh, and and feel all quite happy about things. And that was your feel well, you see, as opposed to... Remember what, what, what Alice's Huxley said in the, the, the Wallace interview? He said, um, with the techniques that they had back then, you know, he says they could persuade the public to do things or that may not be in the, in the best, their own best interests. Well, that's where a wellness program actually is. You could, you might not have much. You may have less than other people even, but, but you're going to feel happy about everything. Well, perhaps you shouldn't be feeling happy about everything. And if you, if you are feeling, what's happened to you? What, what's been done to you? So when I put this article up, it's not too bad. And you see a happy, happy smiling face is depicted on the little video. Well, a drone delivers a product to a household, no doubt uh, ordered online and packaged by a robot in a giant Amazon warehouse. And it says no humans were involved in manufacturing, packaging, or delivering this product. Rest assured, it is virus and bacteria-free, because even in 2030, they'll need to keep the fear narrative alive and well to maintain full-spectrum dominance over the population. And that's a fact, folks. This is not the end. You know. It's not the end. This, this is a whole retraining program for all of humanity, if you go along with it, you know. And look what you're up against, too. When, when your own governments are using your own military forces to do PSYOP operations on you. Well, all of you, you know. Uh, what kind of forces do you have that are quite willing and happy to do it on their own population? That tells you that's another scary thing too to realize that, that yeah, they'll go along with it. Yeah. What was the next step? Eh? All those all those countries in the past you've been taught to, to hate and hate and hate. Oh, look what they did to the people. Hey, this is how it all comes along, folks. It's to keep you safe. Yeah, yeah I'm telling you, it's to keep you all safe. And uh, so I'll put up that little, little video on that too for those who want to see it. Remember, once again, cutting through the matrix.com, send a few bucks my way. Uh, don't postpone it, do it now. Because <laughs> uh, folk uh, forget it. As soon as I stop saying it, folk just forget it, you see. Because this is a, you know, I've, not, I've no axe to grind, I've no personal benefit, I've no political party to push either, and all of this either. And, um, I, I, I'm not backed by anybody else, any organization, or funded by them, you know, or I, I don't necessarily don't front for anybody either. It's just me, so send a few bucks, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, 
and you can buy the books and discs if you want, but remember the payment methods, PayPal, send cash, a check, uh, you can send a little international, a little money order even from the bank, in fact, or you can um, use MoneyGram, there's different ways to get cash out there. So please do it and help me take along because, um, as I say, uh, I, really, I, I know the groups that are funded and who funds them, <laughs> but I won't, I won't play the sour grapes thing you know, at all, so you can't accuse me of that, but I know who they are. And um, it's not just speculation on my behalf. I just tell you to send a few bucks my way and help me tick along myself, because I'm not selling you anything else, and I don't give you any products that make you live forever. And I have no instant cures for anything either, unfortunately. So keep the money flowing, and hopefully I can keep ticking along. Now into the rest of this uh, talk here. <laughs> it's um, the COVID pandemic. Eh? And that's from Global Research. Uh, destroying people's lives, engineered economic depression. Well, it's warfare, you see. And global coup d'etat, you know. And it goes into the different things that are being done to you. Red zones, face masks, social distancing, closing down schools, colleges, universities, no more family gatherings, no birthdays, celebrations, no more, no music, the arts, no more cultural events, sports events are suspended, no more weddings, love and life is banned outright. Isn't that the truth? Eh? This is total war, total war to get you into the new system, folks, that elite like Klaus Schwab have designed for you. And all the media is on board with it. All of them. All the big media is on board with this. As well as having this one name for all the media and like one company name. Because they're all the same. Without exception, really. And it says, uh, in some countries, or several countries, Christmas is also on hold. It's the destruction of people's lives. It's the, the destabilization of civil society. And for what? The lies are sustained by a massive media disinformation campaign, 24-7, incessant and repetitive COVID alerts for the last 10 months. It is a process of social engineering. It's, a, it's actually a war of terror, isn't it, really? Then they went to manipulation of the estimates, such as the RT-PCR tests are misleading, it says here, and so on, so it goes into, in more detail, another link here, it goes into the PCR test and how to mislead all humanity using a, a test to lock down. It's used by a relentless and intentional strategy by some governments supported by scientific safety councils and by the, the dominant media to justify excessive measures such as the violation of a large number of con constitutional rights and so on by the use of these false positives, it says, on RT-PCR tests and not on the real number of patients, it says. And it gives you two, a link to uh, the CDC government, right? <laughs> the government CDC. And it says uh, the, the criteria have been changed. The CDC instructions are crystal clear. and say the link is here. COVID-19 will be the underlying cause of death more often than not. That's the instructions that they put out to all the guys with the, with the, how we diagnose and put in the death certificates. But it's a big agenda. The whole agenda is here, folks, for those who haven't figured it out. So. Economic warfare. That's what you do in warfare. You see, you go for the, you know, the economy. 
if you can stop and disrupt the economy, well, here they've pretty almost limited it. It's, uh, it's, there's nothing to guess at here at all. Hmm? So the COVID crisis is a sophisticated instrument of the power elites. has all the features of a carefully planned, or, or planned intelligence op using deception and counter-deception. That's how it is, eh? This article also touches on about the COVID um, psyop, basically, you know, counter deception and so on, deception, counter deception. Leo Strauss viewed intelligence as a means for policymakers to attain and justify policy goals, not to describe the realities of the world, and that is precisely what they're doing in relation to COVID nineteen. See, not to describe the realities of the world. See, facts don't matter. You see. It's a means of policymakers to push policy through, that's all. And also, uh, the video event 201 pandemic exercise, October the 18th, 2019, focuses on the extent of the pandemic. This is the exercise before it all came out. Also addresses within the simulation how to deal with online social media and so-called misinformation. And you're listening carefully to it too, right? I'll put a, a little video up in that too, I think. At least part of that exercise is quite a long one. But you'll hear them how to deal with folk uh, online and how to call misinformation, how they'd be unified and how we attack them. And they even had members of, uh, again, they were admitted, Facebook and all the other platforms on board with this. Before, this, this is before you, you had COVID-19. <laughs> this last year, right? Eh? Leaves into different kinds of uh, economic takedown, the, mac- the macroeconomic intervention, and evolution of global economy, and so on. How to devolve it as well, give them shock treatment, and you still you see a lot of that yet. It's coming though, you know. And um, so I'll put that up as well for those that want to read it. Another one too is um, in Britain. You know, that that's a GCHQ. You know. So they have the spies. The GCHQ spies launched cyber counterattack against anti-vaccine propaganda being spread by Russia. They claim here now. See, how the, and by the way, this is deliberate. They'll say by Russia because it get they have a way of getting around doing it on their own public. You see, they'll say it's the counter propaganda spread from Russia, they have to follow it to its, from its source to, to Britain. This is how they're getting around all the whole... They, they really treat you like idiots, don't they? They're, I mean, unfortunately, they do. You know, they're so, so cocksure getting their own way all the time. So, and, and again, too, the, the, the previous articles, they'll say vaccine hesitancy. This is now anti-vaxxers, you know. You don't, you don't want... If you don't want this vaccine because it's a novel uh, experimental vaccine, right? And it alters your DNA eventually, as opposed to the old types of vaccinations. Uh, you're going to be an anti-vaxxer, not just an anti-this vaccine. You see, I'm saying how they, how they play the game. It's like a Holocaust denier or something like that, or a climate change denier. It's the same thing. They always use the same techniques that they've, they've, they've trained the public to recoil from these terms. You see? A denier. <gasps> so there you go. You're an anti-vaxxer. No, I just want, don't want this one because, you know. Anyway, it says the GSQ has launched its attack against anti vaccine propaganda spread by Russia. 
and the spy agency has begun a cyber operation targeting hostile states and is using a toolkit developed to tackle disinformation and recruitment material shared, shared by Islamic State, it says here. Right? So it's been used before. The activity being, target, being targeted is linked to Moscow, who is thought to be attempting to exploit the chaos caused by the pandemic to undermine the West and strengthen its own interests. What a piece of propaganda that is, eh? Ay, 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 ay. It is the latest step in the government's bid to tackle a rising tide of fake information being spread about a vaccine. This is from the same media that's hyped terror and terror all the way from last February, regardless of facts. And here they are, wanting you believe them now? The need to shut down such information is growing increasingly more important as scientists close in on a reliable vaccine against COVID-19. So it's a war strategy. They're closing in on a reliable vaccine and they need to shut down such information, right? I've never seen anything that government's allowed to get passed that doesn't expand as soon as it's passed. Any law, any regulation, whatever, it'll just expand. Well, you can't, now you can't do this, now you can't say that, blah, blah, you know. So that gives you some probably fake things about cartoons put out about Boris Johnson that they claim is from Russia. So it says that the GCHQ has been told to take out uh, anti-vaxxers online and on social media. Now what do they mean by take out anti-vaxxers? Do you know what that terminology is used? So there are, there are ways they have to used to monitor and disrupt terrorist propaganda. So now you're a terrorist. So you're starting to connect the terminology they're using here. Hmm? This is the Times. Eh? This is not a little, little tabloid thing. This is the Times. So they've been told to take out anti-vaxxers online and on social media. Huh? Uh, there are ways they have used. They are, there are ways they have used to monitor and disrupt terrorist propaganda. So terrorists, again, the same, you know, same line. Tactics thought to be considered um, are the takedown of websites and content linked to hostile states and the disruption of actors behind the fake news. So thought to be considered are the takedown of websites and content linked to hostile states. So, so now I guess Russia is hostile. They're admitting it's hostile, or they are they hostile to Russia? So they can put information, claim it's from Russia, and saying that you've got it on your website. See, so that's why they're going to use psyops against you and and all the rest of it. Too. So GCHQ will attempt to do this by encrypting the state's own data, so they cannot access it. Who's they? And by blocking communications between hostile groups. Right? Russia is behind a high proportion of false information about the coronavirus. One source, once I love the, I love the how they always do these anonymous sources, eh? and it only target foreign states and is blocked from from uh, chasing false information produced by ordinary people. It says now again, right? It comes after an investigation last month discovered a smear campaign launched in Russia to discredit the coronavirus uh, vaccine developed by Oxford University scientists. Well, where's the proof of that, though? It aims to spread fear about the vaccine with ridiculous claims that will turn people into apes because it uses a, a chimpanzee virus. It's not that way. It's, just, it's literally designed for bureaucrats because they're social climbers. 
you know, like climbing. That's what I think. That's my opinion. That's my take on it. But anyway, yeah, here they're trying to blame Russia for the for the, for the farce. This is, I tell you. Uh, so they show you a picture of uh, the vaccine company's tent with apes and gorillas uh, leaving on the others, including that Russia put it. Like they can't put cartoons. This is standard stuff. Putting out these kind of sarcasm out uh, in cartoon form. That's been goes way back as long as I can remember, and long before I was born actually. And uh, anyway, says so the campaign has a potential to damage the Oxford program by appealing to anti-vaccine fanatics. So now, the terminology. I guess this has been drafted up by psyops themselves for, for the Times. Because it's so, the, the terminology is, this is warfare terminology they're using against people. So anti-vaxxers are now anti-vaccine fanatics, you know, who are in bed with Russians, Rus- Russian opponents or enemies. And, uh, yeah, and they've got to take them out. Uh, take them out, terminology. Mm. So it's now GCHQ is expected to take action against hostile states spreading similar disinformation. Have it's understood that Britain can't attack websites based in the, U- the U.S. Listen to this, <laughs> or the other Five Eyes nations of Australia, Canada, New Zealand. They don't have to because we're doing it ourselves in our own countries. You see, instead the UK must defer to partner agencies based in those nations. So here, see that how they get around it. The UK must defer to partner agencies. So you, you know, we've got partner agencies in those countries. So. So we're not doing it. Well, power agencies doing it. Although free speech laws in countries like the U.S. pose an issue. So listen, and those in the U.S., free speech laws in the, in the countries like the U.S. Do you understand how important free speech is? And, you, and they're doing away, and you're going along with it. You don't see this, don't, okay. You're losing it, eh? And yet it's, it's big enough for sci- massive psyop operations. They want to get rid of free speech. This is the whole thing of, of taking down the whole internet of, of those who are just using free speech. That's, that's the war, eh? So a lot of free speech laws in the countries like the U.S. pose an issue. It's an issue, you see. Rather say it's a problem, as well as the new GCHQ drive, a secretive army unit specializing in information warfare is also thought to be involved in countering fake narratives about the coronavirus. See, there's only one narrative, and that's from the top folks. And all the doctors working in the hospitals, not in, in the thousands of... It doesn't matter what they say. You know. It's a big, big agenda, see. General Sir Nick Carter, chief of the... Defence staff has confirmed that the 77 Brigade is helping to quash rumours about misinformation, but also to counter disinformation. Defence Secretary Ben Wallace has also previously highlighted Russia's role in fake news campaigns during the pandemic. All the other articles didn't mention Russia doing this. See, this is GCHQ's little baby that they've dreamed up. So I'll put this article up too for those that care. <laughs> A lot of folk don't care. Again, most folk say it's like the devil. The devil won't bother you if you if you don't get involved. So you'd be quite safe. Yeah, there you go. That's what the, that's a good term to use. Actually, the devil won't bother you because he already owns you. <laughs> that's what he used to say. And this is interesting too. It's from Greenwald. Remember, he started up an organ a, a, a news media outlet 
to try to get free speech, and he and he he ran it for a while, and then he they outed him recently because they were censoring his, his his articles, and so that was it. So this is a deep state, Silicon Valley, media and full union with the Democratic Party to stop Trump. That's what he said. And so the good enough article too, what he says here. Um, and he, he started, I think this newspaper was called Intercept. It says, Greenwald quit his job Thursday claiming editors censored story, a story critical of Biden. And it says, Greenwald told Carlson, uh, it says that um, the left is in bed with the CIA on certain destroying Trump and complained that the left's healthy skepticism of what intelligence agencies say is, has disappeared. It says the obvious foundational prohibition on having a national security state after World War II was, it, was never supposed to be turned domestically, he says, the national security state, you know. They weren't supposed to be involved in our politics or disseminating propaganda. Go turn on any of those cable networks or pick up the, co- the op-ed pages of any of the biggest newspapers, and you'll see, you'll see their ex-members of the CIA, the Department of Justice, the FBI, and NSA telling Americans what they ought to believe. They've infiltrated the means of communication domestically. They do it through leaks. They do it through clandestine operations and through lies. They propagandize the American people in a way that is incredibly dangerous no matter what your ideology is. That's quite a good article, actually. and it's, he's, he's stating which you should all know anyway. Unfortunately, most folk don't. They really don't know what's, what's happening in, right now in real time. They don't know. And what's, that's, that's only what it tells you is what's going to come down the pike too, right? And they're all involved in it. And, and I only mean that. The CIA has implants everywhere, through all media, all kinds, Th- through medical facilities, uh, organizations, and so on. Yeah, they have, they have doctors that all, they're all tapped into and so on. The World Health Organization as well. It taps anti-conspiracy crusader to sway public opinion on COVID vaccine. And uh, an outspoken proponent of government-led tactics to influence public opinion on policy and to, and to undermine the credibility of conspiracy theorists will lead the World Health Organization it's their effort to encourage public acceptance of a COVID-19 vaccine. Last week, the WHO's General Assembly, or Director Dr. Tedros uh, Ghebreyesus, tweeted that he was glad to speak with the organization's technical advisory group, that's called TAG, <laughs> on behavioral insights and sciences for health. And of course, naturally, I think I touched on last week too, Cass Sunstein uh, is involved in it too. And the, on the program, he's a director of the program on behavioral, behavioral economics and public policy at Harvard Law School. Did you vote for him? No. This is the worst tyranny the world's seen. You haven't, you haven't seen it really, really st- even though they're doing it and deplatforming people, you haven't seen it start yet, the real purge. And it won't stop with the internet, folks. How Sage and the UK media created fear in the British public. This article's pretty good too. 
and uh, he goes through the timeline of when it started and so on. And there seems to have been some doubt as to whether the public would comply with the upcoming measures. So Sage outlined a methodology based on known psychological behavioral modification techniques and uh, and used applied psychology. Yeah. And they have subgroups involved by it. Remember I mentioned before, and that came out from the British media, where some journalists did come out and show you the, the handouts that were given by the SAGE group from the subgroups, subcontracting groups that they had. And they advised the media to, to exaggerate uh, stories, to, to, to cause more anxiety in the public so they comply and be obedient to the authority. So nerve tag is one of them. New and emerging respiratory virus threats advisory group is called nerve tag. SPIM scientific pandemic influenza group on modeling. So these are the computers and give you big numbers. SPIB independent scientific pandemic influenza group on behaviors. There's another one too. And this goes on through. Uh, ways of achieving behavioral change in the public. One is education, then it's persuasion, incentivization, little freebies and stuff if you just take whatever, coercion, enablement, training, restriction, and environmental restructuring, restructuring and modeling. And it says in the document SPIB focused on the methods most relevant to their stated goals and set out 10 options that were evaluated on six criteria under the anachronism appease. It's a whole dictionary for each department. Eh? You would acceptability, practicability, effectiveness, affordability, spillover effects, and equity. Eh? And then government persuasion through fear. Key part of SPIB's behavioral change strategy that seems to have been adopted was to persuade through fear. The persuasion section of the document states a substantial number of people still do not fear feel sufficiently personally threatened. So clearly the psychologists felt that as late March the public was still not afraid of COVID-19. It's therefore suggested the government increase the level of fear. And that was the anxiety level they actually said. And um, use media to increase sense of personal threat. There you go. Have you seen any of the mainstream media, anybody in them, come out and say, I feel bad about terrorizing the public? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And the SPIB recommendation is to increase personal threat and use hard-hitting emotional messages that are on display with eerie imagery coupled with uh, taglines such as, anyone can get it, anyone can spread it. Don't put your friends and family in danger. Stay home for your family. Don't put your, their lives in danger. If you go out, you can spread it. People will die. And so they come up with all these little slogans too. And that's why folk are turning on other people. Oh, you don't have the mask on. You know, oh, sorry, I forgot. You know, you're killing us. And during the first week of April 2020, in proportion to, it's called in proportion to, the links are here to these articles. And it says, projected, uh, project noticed a change in the BBC headlines and posted the article, BBC informing or scaring. The article compared hysterical BBC news headline 
from the first week of April 2020 with those from 2018 when mortality rates were peaking due to a bad flu season. I found no reference to flu or excess mortality on the BBC homepage during the 2018 peak. In proportion to asked, do the headlines reflect the gravity of the situations in an equivalent way, or is additional fear being stirred up in 2020? Well, it's a, it's a big agenda, folks. The great global reset, the whole new way of living, the sustainability project, all ran through at once, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the terms they come up with, too, like heroes and COVID idiots. You see, you're an idiot, you're bad. And that's the terms that they put out there for people to, to follow, and, and, and they'll use them and start arguing with it. Yeah, yeah, COVID idiot. Yep. There you are. And then social approval, they create social approval. We're all good ones, you see, as we're attacking you bad ones. These local heroes have been doing amazing things, that's what you say. Social disapproval examples. Lake District closed because COVID idiots won't stay away. Compulsion, Matt Hancock threatens to close beaches, see? And incentivize media. This is, these psychological techniques would have been impossible to deploy in the public with a compliant media, without a compliant media. How did the government convince the media to go along with the plan? It was quite easy. <laughs> I don't think it was any, any hard battle at all. One, one article says the government is becoming the UK news publisher's most important client. <laughs> That's a good one too. This article also has a link to the government website where you can download the article on how to create fear amongst the people or at least increase the anxiety level. This is research and analysis options for increasing adherence to social distancing measures 22 March 2020. And uh, the link is here as well from the government UK. So you can put it up too. As, mind you, they might say it's disinformation because you said it, even though it's on their site, I don't know. That's where we are now, eh? So remember, folks, um, send a few bucks, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and definitely, don't forget, this is so important now, what's going, coming down the pike, list all my sites there, because uh, if you can't get me on one, hopefully you'll get me on another, uh, because now they're, they're mean, they really mean business now to go in total censorship of the net, I can remember over oh, 25 years ago, reading articles in the newspapers at the time, real, real papers, of course, where they talked about uh, what we're going to do with um, the internet and this, 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 this just people were not following politics the way that they wanted to follow it and so on with the internet. And they knew that already um, they already had organizations, small ones, that started up with rights for this, rights for that, or or more rights for the people and all that kind of stuff. And they really, uh, the top politicians of the day were in the newspaper talking about ways to, down the road, that they'd have to somehow combat it, and they called it um, information warfare. And that's what you've got, information warfare. And they, they knew eventually they'd get to a stage, they didn't want to get the public turned off so quickly when they were just starting with the internet really big time. Uh, and so they gave you, again, 20 years. I knew they would. And then they would start pulling in the reins. That's what's happening, as you well see. And um, don't get bogged down in 
the minutiae of the arguments here to do with the vaccine or not vaccine and what works better or doesn't work better and, and all, the, all the facts to do with COVID because they really don't matter. Uh, you've already had lots of professionals, thousands of them really across the world come out and spoken out against what's happening and say that what they're telling you isn't quite true and not altogether true anyway. And uh, and they're all being dismissed as well as, as nuts. And, these are professional people. With, with the highest qualifications, you know. So what you're going through is a political agenda to change the world, planned by non-democratic forces such as the World Economic Forum and the United Nations, uh, the Club of Rome. And you can go into their own sites and get their articles when they, when they, they boast about that this is fantastic to get the, the great sustainability agenda through that they couldn't get through with the climate change agreement. This is better and faster. They've crashed everything. They've crashed economies, crashed your way of living. They've got you locked down like prisoners, for goodness sake. This is like martial law scenarios. And the next step is, of course, rationing because when fewer and fewer folk are, are making the food and fewer and fewer stores are there to, to even sell the stuff, you, you, you've just got the big outlets and they're going to eventually run short too. And they want you to be rationed. They want you to get used to this idea of a wartime scenario. That's exactly what the, the head of the Green Party said years ago. I remember reading it actually on a radio show. Well, it was on, and I said she she was lauding the the whole idea of lockdowns for war, like World War Two, and she says the people were so obedient then, and they put up with so much, so much deprivation, and, and did it quite willingly because it was, it was for the good of of the country to save all and all that. Stuff. And she said um, they had rationing, and and they, they and they had, they had their homes destroyed at times, and they'd have to crowd into homes more to the homes than they should for capacity. She, she, and she thought this was wonderful; it could bring it back under austerity. That kind of thing. But she said you need a wartime scenario to make it happen, you see. Where you really believe you're, you're doing everything to save the country, you know. And that's what you've got going, isn't it? Sustainability was to save the planet. Well, you wouldn't listen to that. Because uh, it's a, no matter what excuse they give you, is for a new system of a dominant oligarchy to rule the way that they want to rule post-democratic. They don't want democracy. In fact... They're letting you know how corrupt everything is right now in order to put you off politics. And they will come forward. And some have already tentatively come forward and promoted the idea, very likely, mind you, to begin with, that you know, just democracy is not working very well. Uh, it'd be more efficient to handle the world more efficiently if we go into a new system and uh, run by experts. Well, that's exactly where they're going to bring it all. So they'll let you know just how corrupt politics is, obviously, you know, in the meantime, as you go through it all. And whether you like it or not, we're going through it. There's, there's no uh, burying your head in the sand here. You won't get a chance to, to, to deny it anymore. You can't just switch it off. This is to be permanent for at least for some years until you have the new system. And even then, it's going to be so regulated, you won't recognize it. So you've got to keep your heads together, keep, keep sane, 
and uh, and don't lose that your head, as I say. And after nine eleven, I said that would happen. The hardest thing would be hold on to your sanity. It isn't just the massive changes; it's everything that you never, ever, most folk would never have considered as part of a war strategy to do with um, all new kinds of everything, including people and things like that. This is all meant to completely make you almost have a nervous breakdown because you can't relate to anything anymore. That's how why it was done. It's total warfare. This is complete warfare, which is meant really to bring you into a state of breakdown, you understand. It's Pavlovian. Pavlov was a hero to the to the elites. And um, I mentioned it before that um, how they rushed off during World War Two and then afterwards uh, to, to see Stalin and, and from the US, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt wrote about it too in a book and how she also wanted to go there because she wanted to see how the, the, she admired the Soviet system of discipline and obedience and she said that the, the school children, my goodness, you'd see them going to school, they, they were unlike American children, they would, they would cajole and, and play with each other and on the way there, she, but these children were, were so obedient and solemn and, and almost military in, their, in the way that they walked and so on together. Uh, completely unlike American children, and she thought that was wonderful. Mm-mm-mm. We live in amazing times, don't we? <laughs> but most folk don't even know it. They can't imagine tyrants existing in your day and age. It's a strange thing that the old tyrants must have happened before you were born. This is what you're taught. But in reality, this is what it is. They're always there. And unfortunately, they've been gathering momentum for quite a long time, with especially since World War Two, with their big organisations that they set up themselves, until they've a big multi-billionaire, multi-trillionaire club, really, and they run the world and they've planned it, and all they have the biggest problem is convincing you to give up and to relinquish all of your own personal power, and give it all over to them. That's a, so, so wars here, you're all going to die, or the climate's going to burn to crisp, or it's going to turn to, into an ice block. doesn't matter what excuses you have. Or, you know, it's COVID, and, and never before in history has you closed down the economy of the planet for something that hasn't had a, a significant death, right? It's never been done. And never before have you, have you literally locked down all the healthy folk <laughs> and crashed the economy. This is a war scenario, folks. Completely a war scenario, you know, which they even rehearsed it before it all happened in their simulations. But facts don't matter, and uh, they're, they've declared war on all the public. You, you're the terrorists if you speak out about it, or even quiz it, or even ask questions about it. How dare you ask a question from when the experts have already decided everything for you? And that's how bad it is. It's totalitarian in scope because it's got a whole agenda to, to complete. And they really, really mean it. They were furious, absolutely furious, the World Economic Forum and the UN and all the other organizations that they own. And they have lots of them. Absolutely furious when Britain voted to pull out of the EU because they wanted Americas to be next for a, a European uh, Union-style amalgamation for the Americas. And, of course, that fell apart there. I guess back on the table now with Biden's in. And they also wanted a continuation of the same wars uh, that were on the list of the PNAC group, by the way. You know, they wanted to get the wars all going again. 
and we know the countries they want to, to, to attack. And the military-industrial complex will be quite happy about that too. But don't forget, the military-industrial complex too is now making massive fortunes off the technologies for total surveillance, manipulation, and tracking uh, under COVID. So they, uh, they're quite happy. Sure, of course, they're quite happy about it all. Terrible times we live in. But you, if you have a few people you can keep sane with, that's very important. Because if you think you're locked away from everybody and you have no one to talk to, it might not be. Some folk can handle it, you know. I've often said, especially the more you learn, it's best to live inside your own head. Then, then you won't offend anybody <laughs> by speaking the truth, you know. Because the truth can get you attacked very, very easily nowadays. It's just too easy to to convince the public that of this thing, conspiracy theory. Well, I haven't heard that before. That's a conspiracy theory, right? No, no, here's the facts. The facts don't matter. You, see. you, can, you, you can show them all the facts that you want from the authors of this and authors of that. It makes no difference. Um, so you've got to learn to live inside your head to an extent and keep yourself sane. And don't just give up and don't be persuaded to just go along with everything that you're a piece of little useless nothing. You're, you're all important. You understand that. The psychological warfare is the first thing it does is try to undermine your faith in yourself so that you feel unimportant until eventually you can't, you have no faith in your own decision making abilities. That's what it also does too. It went to wreck your ability to, to discern things and decide for yourself. So, if you're aware of these things, you can counter them to an extent. But don't forget that uh, you, can, you should have little groups of people, little groups that will help each other in bad times. Because it's coming down. Bad times are coming down big time. And the whole of the agenda for the 21st century, they hope to accomplish a good lot of it, actually, uh, very quickly under, under COVID and the, and the, the, the Great Reset idea. So don't give up and keep in touch too. And I'm really glad that people are getting in touch with me just to get into an insight into their lives and what they're seeing and so on. It's interesting to compare different countries, but it's also interesting to see the same uniform implementation of the same agenda step by step. It's, it truly is lockstep, isn't it? And they're all on board with it. And the same problems in every country, all the media are completely on board. All the media are creating fear and terror. All the media are hammering anybody who, who asks questions or speaks out against it. It's just amazing to see the totalitarian aspect of this massive agenda, isn't it? But don't let it terrify you into immobility. And as long as your mind is working, then you still have uh, a lot of power, believe you me. So hang in there and keep. Uh, let me know how it's all going. And even for the folk I can't get back to you all the time, or right away, so I think I, I do read all the, the emails that come in, it's, and it is important to, to, to see. It's real people. You're all real people. In this day and age, we, it's, it's sad that more folk are, are never meet each other anymore with, with the new types of... Uh, they don't even phone each other, most of them. It's all texting, you know. So you got sight, you 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 you've got... Um, Gone. Um, you, you're hearing. You don't need to hearing anymore if you're texting. Um, you just have to be able to read the text. That's all. But all the different parts that make it make human contact possible have been taken. I mean, I mean, the phone is the greatest thing out there. It's just, and it was. I was not surprised when they tried to introduce texting to do away with actual uh, speaking to people, actually vocal messages and so. On. 
So you're living through amazing times. Don't lose hope. Really don't lose hope at all. And remember, you still have a voice. It doesn't matter if you hammered for, for even asking questions. What, what a hell we're in when even children can't ask questions. Think about it. Absolute hell. Uh, it's taboo to ask certain questions. I know the list of things you can't ask. With a natural, uh, any any individual, a child has a right to, to, to use its own mind. That's how you learn, for goodness sake. So nothing can be taboo. So, uh, but they want them to, to be brought up into a regimented kind of society where they're trained already before they're 10 and what's good and what's bad, you see. Uh, just like it's been done before, you had uh, you had Hitler Youth, but you had also the Communist Youth League, which was which pre predated Hitler, and um, that's how it's done. Eh? That's how it's done. You get the children first, and then you've got your little army that turns their parents in, and as a servant to the state, you know. But say, don't despair. Keep in touch with me. And also, you can, you can uh, hopefully get your small groups together to help each other out as times when it really gets bad, you know. And the winter's a bad time anyway for most folk. Christmas especially, to say, people get depressed. if they're, It isn't just Christmas, it's Christmas and New Year. New Year signifies, as you all know, uh, midwinter, you know. And the, movement, the moving into the spring idea of rebirth and regeneration. But but it's also a time of reflection. When you look, especially in Scotland, for instance, where they they, they really celebrated uh, East, uh, New Year more than they did Christmas. So it was friendship and friends it, you, today that you have and the ones who have died in the previous year. And so all these things were brought up at New Year time, and for old acquaintance, be for, should old acquaintance be forgotten? So. So it's going to be a depressing time for people, especially when they're locked in now, um, with nobody to, to come and share their thoughts and, and, and have a company with them because of the ridiculousness of what's going on, this, this planned war on the public. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's important to keep, uh, keep, keep in touch with people who can help, even just talking on the phone. It's very important uh, to, to keep doing that kind of thing with each other because um, most folk, when they get really depressed, can't speak much about it, especially men. Men will keep quiet to the bitter end, you know. And it's, it's good to try and look for signs and symptoms of it and do what you can to let them know that they're not alone, they're going through things alone. Remember that, very important. Uh, that's what makes us all human. Uh, this system is an inhumane system we're living in today. It's getting worse all the time through tyranny, of course. This is tyranny. When you have forces paid by your tax money, they're using warfare techniques upon you which means you are now the enemy. I hope you understand that. That's very dangerous thing. We should none of us should put up with that. None of us at all. We're going to go through it anyway. As I say, there's never been a generation that I can find out that's had peace. Wars, financial crashes, um, more wars, um, big changes, psychological operations to change children to their thoughts until they grow up and, and they have a new different way of looking at everything, including even their genders now. 
um, all, all planned in advance and trained that way as well. And unfortunately, like Russell said, Ben Russell, he says you can train children to do anything with the proper techniques, this, and which were already perfected, he said, his age. Eh? He says, we get the children, he says, we can literally train them to believe anything we, we want them to believe. Uh, so much so, he says, that if they go into, out into society, they'd have battles with society because just using different terminology, they would never get around to the, to the fact they're talking about the same thing. And it was, we can train them that snow is black. And those children would go out and complain to you, you know, what are you talking about white snow? It's black. And they'd, they'd have battles over it. Never realizing initially that it's, it's simply a change in the terminology. Their name, for instance, is enough to cause a battle. So, from myself, Alan Watt, from Interior Canada, remember saying a few bucks my way. Let's go night and be a god or a god's school with you. <laughs> <laughs>